<laughs> Powerful Greg Fitzsimmons. We're Coming live. out of the gate with a That's fucking a- orgasmic. Yes. <laughs> That's Donald Trump's face. You ever see notice that Donald Trump's face is running away from his skull? Like- he looks like he needs vaginal rejuvenation surgery on his cheeks. <laughs> What happens to a person's face that it just doesn't like their head anymore? Ah. Just pulling away. Yours is hanging in. But his he's not that fat. No. You know what I mean? Like, Chris Christie's face is in better shape than his. Right. Well, being fat helps because, yeah, it pushes all the wrinkles out. You get no wrinkles when you're fat. But mine, I'm Irish. When you're Irish, man, you hit 40 and all of a sudden, you fuck, you turn into like a rotten apple core. <laughs> All the meat falls off the bones, and your your cheeks sink in, and they're close to a fix for that. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're real close. They're close to this guy. I think his name is Peter, Doctor Peter Welling, whatever the guy, the doctor's name that invented Regenekine, which yeah. is that blood spinning procedure that Kobe Bryant, all these athletes go to oh, Germany yeah. for. He's invented some way to rejuvenate your body's production of collagen. And they're gonna shoot it into old ladies, and they're gonna look hot again. Bam! Be all over that shit. Because that's what makes you wrinkle. That's what makes your skin lose its elasticity. Right. It's collagen. And, you know, if you look at, like, if you go to the gym, you go to the gym, right? Hell yeah. You ever, do you have, like, one of those older ladies at the gym where you're like, I'd fucking smash that. Some lady that's in her 50s, but she's just doing squats every day, just hanging on like that. You know that kitten in that uh, poster? <laughs> Hang in there, baby. Hang in there, baby. <laughs> She's just hanging out of that curtain. <laughs> right. She is not going softly into that night. That's right. No, when you're when you're 23 and you're in shape, you can get out of shape for a few months and then yeah. jump right back into shape again. Yep. But when you're when you're hang on, kitty, mm. you take you take a week off. You almost won't get back to where you started again. <laughs> That's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is a picture we're looking at of a cute little kitten. Hanging from a stick. Yeah. When you when you get to be like that age, getting out of shape is really easy, and getting back into shape is fucking nightmarish. The first day back, you're like, whoa. Yeah. I'm old. I went to do push-ups today, and uh, I used to be able to bang out 50 push-ups. No, because I'm skinny as shit, and I did gymnastics my my whole life, and so I just had a good like muscle to weight ratio. I fucking struggled to do 15. I was shaking. I was like, what the fuck just... It really bummed me out. I was like, wow. Because I said to myself, to get back to where I was would require a lot of uncomfortable pain over a long period of time. Didn't you have like a real shoulder injury or something? Yeah, I got surgery. What was wrong with your shoulder? The cartilage can just wear out sometimes in between your... uh, your, there's three bones that come together in your shoulder, mm-hmm. clavicle and the whatever the other two are. And uh, so they basically go in, and in two different spots, they go into your shoulder, and they just saw away the tips of the bones. Whoa. And then scar tissue forms on each bone, and it acts as a new cartilage. Whoa. And you know what? Fucking arm as good as new. Unbelievable. Really? Yeah. Wow. How strange. Everything was great, other than getting hooked on Vicodin and everything about it was very positive. (laughs) How long is the hooked on Vicodin? Nine months. Whoa. It's unbelievable how many doctors will prescribe you Vicodin if you ask. Yeah. The surgeon, the uh, primary care physician, 
the physical therapist, and then I go to a psychopharmacologist for my other little mood needs. <laughs> and I don't know why this motherfucker started writing me scripts too. For pain. Then you wow. got friends. Every friend's got a medicine cabinet, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Let me make an announcement right now. If you're a friend of mine and you had me over in 2013, you may want to restock your uh, <laughs> your, your barbiturate supply. <laughs> Did you go to people's cabinet and just scoop a few out? Oh, no. It was bad. I was bad. That was only three years ago? No, it was probably <clears throat> five, five, six years wow. ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. And dude. I haven't drank in, you know, 25 years. So was it a slow, creepy thing where it slowly crept in on you? How did you realize it had had you? You don't realize until you stop for a few days and you go dark. You go If you don't take it for a few days, you get so psych, like close to suicidal. Whoa. Because what happens is your, your receptors for your, uh, um, dopamine? What, for your dopamine get clogged by barbiturates. And you can't, so if you stop taking them, the, the dopamine can't get into those receptor holes. Because they're filled, yeah. So, so you can't feel happiness until oh eventually god. those go away, and that's why it's so hard to kick. Oh my god! Yeah. So, how did you kick it? Just went dark, white knuckled oh it like I did drinking. That is how you did. I remember when you did drinking like that. Well, I met you right after you did that. I met you when I th I think when I met you, you were still drinking, and then like right after I met you, quit. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And I was amazed that you know I know a lot of people. It's most people, it's a struggle. You have to go through therapy. You have to go through AA. You have to go through all this stuff. But you just knocked it off. Well, I did do therapy. And also my dad was an alcoholic. So I, I had gone to Al-Anon meetings for probably about a year before I quit. And, uh, also, and you knew the consequences. I knew, I knew the consequences. I also knew the steps. Once you learn the steps, it becomes like, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to acknowledge that I have a problem. I need to work on whatever my higher power is. Like, I went through it without going to... Because I went to some meetings, and it was just, like, too many guys. Like, you know, those uh, those old bits those guys in Boston would do about... Um, uh, what was the what was the guy's name? Teddy Bergeron. Oh yeah. And he's like, you see these guys at these meetings, and they act like they got it all figured out. They're standing up there like, and I could proudly say, after 15 years, I no longer crave alcohol. And he's like, I'm in the back, and I crack a soda. They're like, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> where is it? Teddy Bergeron. Ah. <laughs> uh. Fuck, man. How many times have we talked about him on the podcast? Oh. But he's one of not the enough all-time greats that yeah. people just never found out about. Yeah, the most <clears> raw <throat> talent. Jerry Lewis kind of talent where you just go like, oh, yeah, this guy's special. Jerry Lewis. Well, Jerry Lewis was a talented dude. You don't see you don't see it? Oh, I mean, sure. but uh, They're not similar. I just mean God-given talent. But a weird comparison. Why'd you go with Jerry Lewis? Uh, I guess just the physicality, you know, they're almost like dancers, the way they can move on stage. Like Teddy would just glide around and his like hand movements and the way he'd slide. It was just kind of well, elegant. His timing yeah. was just impeccable. Right. I remember when I was an open mic night guy, like I just started and Teddy did a set and uh, he did a set like, uh, you know, just dropped in and did like 10 minutes. And I remember thinking, I fucking know nothing. I don't understand anything. I barely, I shouldn't even be up there. Yeah. I shouldn't even be allowed to do this. Yeah. But he, the pills got that guy. I watched that. Yeah. I watched, uh, I remember the Mattapoisit Inn. Yeah. Do you remember that gig? Yeah, down by Scott Rhode Papacuri Island. Papacuri used to yes. have that gig. Yeah. 
and uh, he booked me and Teddy. <clears throat> Teddy. Well, it was like a classy old hotel. Yeah. Well, it was like a kind of bed and breakfast or something yeah, right. like that, right? So it had downstairs, it had this little showroom, and it was real tight seating and small. It was an excellent gig. Like when you got the gig, you were psyched. It's a great gig. And it was in kind of like a resorty sort of vacationy area. Mm-hmm. So people were partying, having a good time. So it was a fun crowd. And uh, I remember Teddy showed up and he was just zonked zonked out on pills and it was just so sad to yeah. watch it was like this guy was an all-time great and he was just so out of it man. yeah i remember being up at the uh the andover what was the club and it was a dick darty gig it was at a club called Chickland, <laughs> and uh what was it something grill and um Grill yeah, 93? The, yeah, something like that. 99 or 93. Yeah. 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 And so uh, Teddy comes in on Friday night, and he's late as shit. I'm the feature, and I'm stretching with material I don't have. I'm doing your material at this point. <laughs> I got my hand above my head doing my Revere Girl impression. <laughs> and uh, and he comes in late, and then I see him talk to the club owner. He's like, I was like, I oh, wouldn't be able to happen. I'm coming up uh, 93 North, and this guy sideswipes me, knocks off my mirror. This is after the show. He says, come out and look at my car. And he, we got to the car, and uh, his side mirror is hanging off. And the guy club owner's like, all right. So uh, Saturday night comes. I'm up there. I get the stretch sign again. I got to do another half hour. Teddy shows up, and he goes, like, walks in, and he goes, yeah, I got sideswiped on 93 North. You got to see my side view mirror. The guy's like, are you kidding? It's like, no, it just fucking happened. Oh, it's God. Like, wow. So he was so out of it, he figured out he told the same lie two <laughs> nights in a row. That's his move. Just kicked his fucking mirror. <laughs> Pills, man. Right. You were you swiping them from your friends. Oh, yeah. It was Fuck. ugly. I, uh, Brendan Shaw, my friend, had a nose job. <clears throat> his nose got bro- broken in a UFC fight. Yeah. And uh, he got hooked on pain pills. Is he the, he was, he's Brian's yeah, partner. Yeah, right. on Fighter and the Kid. What, yeah. what was he hooked on? Um... Oxys, I think. It Oxys, was. where you, Oxys? Oxys, where you can't turn back. That that's the, the fucking hardcore. Really? Yeah, you start out with oxycodone, it's a little mm-hmm. bit lighter. Then you get into Vicodin, and you know. We had those guys on Chris and Mark Bell from Prescription Thugs. It's a new documentary that's uh, out now on iTunes. They're the same guys who did Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and Trophy Kids. G- great guys, great documentary guys. While this guy's doing the documentary, he's doing a documentary around prescription drugs and how many people get prescribed them and how insane the business is and how overprescribed they are. While he's doing it, he has to get hip replacement surgery and he gets hooked no on pills. Oh shit. While he's doing the documentary, he's hooked on pills. Yeah. And he's got to like kind of cover it up and he's got to hide. He's embarrassed because like yeah. he's trying to put together this documentary and he's hooked on pills and then finally. In the documentary, once he becomes clean, then he just comes clean in the documentary and explains. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was on pills. And, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, he takes you out to his car and he shows you his car, like how he fucking collided in the shit when he was all pilled up. Yeah. And he shows all the dents and his headlights hanging off and shit. Yeah. It's dark, man. Well, Philip Seymour Hoffman got back on drugs because he was doing a role that was very... Was he on drugs in the role or was he drunk? But whatever it was, he'd been sober for like 20 years. And going into this place night after night doing this play, he started taking pills again. And, oh, you know, any, yeah. I just don't get why doctors prescribe pills to somebody who's a known addict. They don't give a fuck. And they don't give a shit. I think doctors get so used to people being sick and people dying. And it's like, you know, it just becomes normal to them. Right. Just, it, you know, I had this uh, woman, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, in the other day. She's a research scientist. And she was talking about 
a lot of the experiments that they had to do where they had to kill mice. And when she first started doing these experiments, she would get really sad and she'd cry. And it's like, it was like, it was just really upsetting. After a couple of months, she's just gassing these motherfuckers like yeah. it's Auschwitz. Like she didn't even care. Right. You just get totally used to it. Yeah. And I think for doctors, you're a doctor for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. All these patients are sick and dying and all yeah. fucked up. No one sees you if they're doing great. Everybody sees you because they got a tumor or a broken leg and right. you just take these pills and get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> you're just a mouse. Here, have some cheese and some pills. Chris Bell, the guy who made that documentary, just sent me a text yesterday saying that I'll send, I'll forward it to you, Jamie, um, and you could put it up here. But he was saying that there's uh, a new law that just got passed. Uh, doctors are urged. Okay, this is what it is. It's on US, USA Today. Um, you could find it from yesterday. Um, new guidelines for prescription uh, to reduce abuse and overdoses. So. They're urging doctors to try to do something about this because they're, they're finally starting to realize. And I think a lot of it is just because of all these documentaries and all these Internet um, blogs that are, you know, that are coming out and YouTube videos and all these uh, news stories where people are really kind of grasping the magnitude of this problem. I just don't understand why there's not one database where you can't have multiple doctors writing prescriptions for the same patient. I mean, if you go to CVS or Rite Aid, there should be a listing of any time you were specifically for there opiates. No. Fuck. I mean, didn't stop me. <laughs> and I can remember getting a fresh bottle, you know, with 30 pills in it and just holding it in your hand like, oh, Joy, a bottle of Did joy. You, you never took anything like that? No, never. I took one time when I had my knee operated on, my first knee operation, which was a patella tendon graft, which is particularly painful because they take a piece of bone out of your shin and a piece of bone out of your kneecap, and oh. it's attached to a strip of your patella tendon. Your patella tendon is a large tendon that's in the front of your knee. It's this one that goes from your knee down to your shin, right, right here, the right. fat one. Yep. And what they do is they take a slice out of that, and then they open you up like a fish, and then they use that slice, and that replaces your ACL. So that becomes a new ACL. Because this patella tendon graph is really big, and it's really strong. So they strong. don't need the whole thing. They don't need the whole thing. So they take a slice of that, and it creates a new ACL. And the pain was pretty insane around Damn. the places where they cut the bone out. Yeah. It was just like fire. So they gave me something. I don't remember if it was Vicodin or Percocet, it was, I, but I remember I took it once, and I felt so stupid. Like, I was just like, yeah. I think it was Vicodin. I was so dumb. I mean, maybe it's just my own biology, the way I reacted to it. I was like, I'd rather take the pain. So I sold them to this dude at the pool hall, <laughs> this guy named Jeff. This guy, Jeff, he always he would buy and sell pills. He was, a, he was the pill head. He looked like a classic dirtbag from a fucking Beavis and Butthead cartoon. <laughs> He had like long hair that would go down like this, and one of those mustaches that curled all the way down to like the bottom of his, like his, where his chin connected. Yeah. yeah. He was such a dirtbag, this yeah. guy. He had a pickup truck, rusted out. Probably had a, one of those El Caminos. Right. Probably didn't have a yeah. real pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> and he would drink beer out of the back of it with some friends near oh, the beach. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was such a dirtbag. Yeah. Nice guy, though. But he was, uh, you know, just a classic, classic guy. Yeah. And I was like, I can't fucking take these things. He goes, you got them at home? Bring them in. I'll buy them off you. I'm like, all right. So I sold them. I became give, a drug dealer. Did you give him the uh, bottle with your name on it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> fuck. Shit. 
Who the fuck was I back then? I stand behind my... I was a nobody. You know, it wasn't like me today or anything with my address or anything. I was just a struggling stand-up comedian who liked to play pool. Selling drugs. <laughs> Selling drugs to a dirt bag. Slinging opiates <clears throat> at the pool hall. Yeah, I was psyched to get that money, too. It's interesting. Hell yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, what, like, 50 bucks is when you really need it yeah. versus 50 bucks when you don't need it. You know, money loses its... It doesn't mean anything. Like, that's why I would never understand someone that, like, works incredibly hard, but they're already insanely wealthy, and they're doing something they don't enjoy doing. You know, they're, like, constantly trying to conquer and, right. you know, build a business and right. keep going and going. But they already have billions of dollars, yeah. and what they're doing is making them miserable. Not only that, take it to a next level where you got a guy like the Koch brothers. Yes. And they are not only working way harder than they need to. They've already covered the next 50 generations of kids that never have to work in their family. Mm. But they're killing the planet. So if you're thinking about a legacy for your great-great-grandkids, they're going to live in a 140-degree earth with no water, surrounded by fucking, you know, killers, Mad Max. Do you think that's what's going to happen? I think so. <laughs> yeah. And I'm you not, think it's all going to fall apart? I'm not stressed out about it. I just feel like, really? you know, it's going to happen. I'm going to encourage my kids not to reproduce. I think that they're going to skate. They're going to skate through. There'll be a lot of terrorism and there's going to be a lot of flooding. And wow. some crazy storms. Um, the third world countries are all going to be in an upheaval because, you know, the environment is is going to affect the poor first. Of mm. course. I wonder how much of it is blown out of proportion and how much of it could be mitigated by new discoveries and new science and new technology. Solar power. Do you know? Did you know? I didn't know this until Eddie Bravo came over here and I went down the goddamn rabbit hole about Rockefeller. Did His you know, grandson? Well, yeah. Did you know that Rockefeller made there was a conspiracy to get people to use oil instead of alcohol and that most combustion engines work on alcohol right and they work just as good if, if not better on alcohol yep. than they do on gasoline right and alcohol obviously you don't need fossil fuels you don't need or whatever you want to call you it. can you use any kind of vegetable yeah right corn yep. you know yeah I mean, they run just as good on that yep what the fuck yeah, I mean, he, well, between him doing that and then, um, you know, Ford, didn't Ford buy up all the train uh, the train tracks in Los Angeles to create a, a, a car society instead of a train society? Yeah, there's some sort of conspiracy like that where they, the automotive No, I don't think industry, it's conspiracy. I think it definitely happened. I don't mean that it's a conspiracy that it didn't oh. exist. I mean, they conspired. Oh, that they conspired. Yeah, right, they, they, right. they did conspire to do something like that. I don't yeah. know too much about that, though. There's a film about it, uh, the, the killing of the killing of the, car. killing of the car or something, yeah. Well, that's different. That's a late model. That's who killed the electric car. That was when the electric car first... See, they had electric cars a long fucking time ago. And oh, then yeah, they I went had to the them. Museum of, of Cars, and they were yeah. the first cars were electric. Yeah, how about, you know, they used to... Henry Ford had fenders that were made out of hemp. That was something we covered no here the other shit. day. Yeah, you could hit him with a hammer. Wow. There's videos of him like whacking these fenders with a hammer. Because hemp is hemp fiber is insanely powerful and yeah. unbelievably strong and really lightweight. Like more powerful than fiberglass, stronger than I mean, it's amazing, amazing stuff. And so he's hitting it with a fucking hammer and the hammer is bouncing off this hemp wow. fender that he had. Yeah. No shit. But back then, man, they were all jockeying for control of this emerging industry and they didn't see anything bad about just trying to control the market. Like right. fuck fuck these trains. Yeah. Fuck your tracks. 
Yeah. I want everybody to have cars. Like they didn't think one day it was going to heat up the planet and yeah. polar bears going to drown. You know. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, if they could have seen that a poster of fucking you know polar bears stuck on a on a little uh, what do you call those ice floats? Ice, yeah, ice floats. Did you see that video they got recently of a polar bear chasing down a female and her cub and eating the cub in front of her? No. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, these explorers were there. It was either explorers or it might have been a cruise, but they watched it and they were screaming. They're like, <sighs> no, no. And he just chases down the female and she's running full clip, but she's got the cub with her and the cub can't run that fast. And finally he grabs a cub and he eats it. Uh, eats it right in front of her. You think it was his child? It doesn't matter. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. All bears are cannibals. Yeah. You know, when th there's a real problem with movies like Zootopia, which I took my kids to see the other day, which is really adorable, very cute movie. Not a problem with the movie, but a problem with what comes out of that movie and these fucking what would you do for a Klondike bar ads and these, these things that anthropomorphize animals. Here it is right now if you want to watch it. See, that's the mother and the cub running full clip, and there's the big daddy. Can't put running that on behind YouTube, it, by the way, this will get us taken off. YouTube. Right, so we're just gonna watch it on the screen. If we put it on you, can you go full screen with it? Though? I did, and it's not going. Oh, for some reason. okay. That's that's the mom trying to head yeah, off. Yeah, uh... trying, but he's like, "Get out of here, bitch." She can't do anything. He's like twice her size. If you want to stay tuned, there it is. Boom. That's what they do. It's uh... awful. They eat them. I mean, when bears come out of hibernation, one of the first things they do is head for the cubs. Really? The, the male bears immediately go and kill the cubs. They eat them. The mom is trying to put up a fight. But a little bit, but she's just so much smaller. Yeah. She's scared, and she knows the baby's already dead. There's nothing she could do, so she turns and then just runs. She realizes at a certain point in time, this motherfucker might eat her too, which does happen, by the way. Really? Yeah, they cannibalize each other. They, they'll kill each other and cannibalize each other. Wow. Oftentimes when you hunt bears... If you kill one bear um, and you, you leave it, like, to go back and get a truck to pull it out of the woods, when you do that, you come back, other bears will be eating it. Bears are all cannibals. But wow. my, my point was that, like, people have this idea of what these wild animals are, that, you know, they live in harmony in nature, yeah. and it's chaos. Smokey chaos the bear. And, yeah, yeah, it's chaos and conflict and murder all yeah. day long. And right. cannibalism, especially bears. 100% cannibals. Yeah. All of them. Not only with, when we were in Alberta, my friend who runs a hunting camp up there watched a male bear kill a cub in front of the female. The female tried to fight him off. The male bear killed the cub. She chased him off eventually, and then she went and finished the cub oh, off and ate it. Oh, no shit. She ate her own cub. Wow. Yeah, wow. Damn. That's harsh, man. Harsh. I've gotten mad at my kids, but like I pull up a little <laughs> short of that. Well, I don't think the male was the uh, the father. He might have been, but who knows? He might not even know. I don't think yeah. she probably knew either. Right. You know? Yeah, I thought some bears were just ate berries and shit. No, no, all bears eat meat. Yeah. Well, all North American bears. Right. They don't I mean they don't eat meat exclusively, but they're omnivores except yeah. polar bears. Polar bears are one hundred percent predator. Yeah. They're the only bear that doesn't eat anything but meat. They just, they don't have anything up there. There's no vegetables, so everything they eat is just meat. They eat seals and anything that fucks up. Yeah, when you look at the territories that certain animals need, like they were doing the thing about um, about uh, mountain lions in, in Los Angeles. Mm. <clears throat> and if one, there was a, each mountain lion needs like 
20 square miles of territory just mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. And if you get within that, it's a fight to the death. That's yeah. it. Those are the stakes. And so this one mountain lion was living up in the Santa Monica Mountains, like above the Palisades, Malibu. And uh, he somehow, because they tag him, he somehow ended up over in um, Griffith Park. Yeah. He crossed that. the 405. Did you see what he did? He killed a koala bear. Oh, no. He climbed a fence. He climbed climbed a 12-foot tall fence covered with barbed wire, got over the fence, and killed a koala bear and ate it. Good for him. (laughs) You know, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, they found these uh, mountain lions in San Francisco. You know, because California doesn't have hunting laws for for mountain lions, I mean, they have laws against it. You you cannot hunt mountain lions, which wildlife biologists are seriously against. Because when you can't control predator populations, they just breed and breed and breed until there becomes too many of them. Like, you, they don't have any predators other than yeah. man. So, you know, people could say, well, n- let nature balance and take its... Well, that means they move into your neighborhood and eat your friends. We're part of the balance. Yes, we're part of the balance. And we think we're not because we have the internet and a fucking cell phone. But the reality is they don't give a shit about that. So, anyway... These mountain lions that they've been killing, because they, they, what they have to do is when they invade neighborhoods, start killing dogs and threatening people, they have to kill them. Well, they killed over 100 of them in the last year. And, or 90, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They, they have to shoot them. They just do it privately. They don't talk about it. Yeah. It doesn't make the news. But when they shot them, they found out that their primary diet is pets. Yeah, of course. Cats, dogs. Yep. That's their primary diet. Like, there's only like a small percentage of deer in their, belly, in their bellies. Did you ever see any cats around your house? I've never seen a cat around my house, but I saw a cat that killed my dog in Colorado, and I saw another mountain lion in Santa Barbara on the on a fucking residential road. Yeah? Yeah. Big? It wasn't that big. It was like a small dog, like 50, 60 pounds, something mm-hmm. like that, but it was big enough to freak me the fuck out. Yeah, but people know in the valley you don't leave your dog out in your yard. No. You just don't. Yeah, you can't. It'll be fucking gone. Well, coyotes mostly. Yeah. But, uh... The, this, the mountain lion that I saw in Santa Monica, or Santa Barbara, rather, looked like a coyote. It was that size. It wasn't mm-hmm. that big. Like, I thought it was a coyote, and then I saw the tail. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, that's a cat. Yeah. It was, it's, seeing a cat is so much creepier than seeing a coyote. Yeah. Because you you know that they, like a coyote, I'm pretty sure I could fuck up a coyote. Yeah. You know, if a coyote jumped on me, I know I'd just grab him by his tail and smash his fucking head off the ground. I'd figure out a way to win. I'd I think get it's, bit. I think it's because of uh, Bugs Bunny and, you know, the wily <laughs> coyote. He was such a doof. You just can't take the breed seriously now. Well, they're scary. I mean, if a coyote wanted to kill you, it would be a real... I mean, if a rat wanted to kill you, yeah. it'd be a real fucking problem. Right. But I'm pretty sure if you could snap and get into full rage, psychopath mode, you could probably kill a coyote. Yeah. But not a cat. I don't. Yeah. I think a mountain lion, you'd be fucked. Well, a the 50-pound ki- oh, mountain yeah. lion, you'd yeah. be fucked. Yeah. And they spring so fucking fast. <sighs> so fast. Yeah. They're so fast and they're so powerful. And if you look at their bodies in comparison to like, they're like one of the most powerful cats, pound for pound. They have enormous wrists yeah. and forearms. And their shoulders are ripped. Ugh. Ugh. I try to get shoulders like that at the gym. I say to my trainer, I want mountain lion shoulders. <laughs> and they and so <laughs> they have a machine, you know, and it's a, a shoulder machine. The shoulder machine that's the, the mountain lion when you put it in and this little pause and you growl. <laughs> and uh, and you put on, you know what just happened? There were people dressed as animals at, um, I just did the Addison Improv. Yeah. Good club. Great club. 
And there was a convention going on at my hotel. Furries? Furries. There were hundreds of furries, and they were fantastic. They had, like, you know, one is a zebra, a lot Mm -hmm. lot of, like, unicorns and fucking rabbits. All mascots, right? Yeah, they look. it looked like a bunch of college mascots. But then some of them, then you saw the dark side creep in. Like, some of them had little studded collars on because apparently... At night, shit gets a little weird with some of them. Yeah. You know, there's holes mm-hmm. in the costume. Yeah. And there's some furry sex going on. A lot of furry sex. Yeah. 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 But they were great. I took pictures with like a hundred of them. I just kept asking. <laughs> and the thing is, is there's they're really into hugging. Like the rule is if you just ask, any, any of them will hug you. Really? And I would go downstairs and get a cup of coffee. I'd hug like three fucking <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Can I have a hug? Sure. They just wrap their arms around you and pat you and on the And they all had their helmets on? Oh, they keep them on. Yeah, they what don't fuck they, around. When they drink in the coffee, do they keep it on? They or, don't drink anything. Oh, you were like, drinking I, the I coffee. Talk, yeah, I did, but I was talking <clears> to the bartender down. I was having lunch downstairs. I was like, these guys drank a lot. He's like, I've sold one beer in the last day to wow. these people. They're just uber nerds. Whoa. Uber nerds. They all have like, the ones I saw out of costume had like just those pale puffy faces that look like they're just the only light they've gotten is off a computer screen off the last oh, 10 years. Yeah. And they're really like Asperger's-y. You know, we'd be on the elevator and they're like, uh, call out your floors. And one guy goes four. Other guy goes eight. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bizarre. He goes, uh, eight, wow. four. That's ha- four you, is half of eight. We are all looking at uh, Greg's Instagram right now. <laughs> Did you talk to them? Oh yeah. Did you ask them what they or what's up? Yeah, they said you know we're we're in my town. I get made fun of because there's only two of us that do this, and then I come here and I just feel like so free and so like you know among friends. And they, they, there's a bunch of conventions that they go to, like Comic Con type places, and they they get to know each other and you know it's like a whole community. Good for them. Yeah. You know what I mean, man. I mean, yeah, it's retarded, but no one's hurting them. Or no one's getting hurt. I'm jealous of anybody that finds, like, you've always had things you're passionate about, you know, whether it's taekwondo or, you know, mixed martial arts or whatever. And it's like to find something in your life, no matter what it is, that gives you a community and gives you something that you're going to, you kind of grow in over mm-hmm. time. It's great. It doesn't matter you're, what it you're is. You're jealous of that? Yeah, I you never had that. that. Never had that. Well, you have interest, though. I think family became the only thing. I, well, stand up, obviously. Mm-hmm. But. Family is the only thing I ever got really into, like long-term, committed, don't get sick of. When you're old, you'll be happy that you made that choice. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that made the different choice and got really obsessed with something else that led them away from their family. Right, right. And then they get older and they realize it was just bowling. Right. Like, why did I have to go bowl all over the world and miss my kids growing up? Right. Because I got really into bowling. Now, there's a dude who was a big showrunner here in L.A., and uh, I was friends with him. And he got really into horses. He bought horses, and they were up in Pasadena. And he would go up there on the weekends. He'd work all week, and he'd go up on the weekends. He had a daughter. And uh, one night, he was in the middle of dinner, and he went upstairs to his room, and he put a plastic bag over his head, and he killed himself. Are they related? The horses and the killing himself? Well, I think he was he was away from his family. He was like with his free time. That's that's how he was spending it. Hmm. Away all the time. And that's that's the only thing I could think of that would cause it is like you ever sit down with your family and this is the greatest guy. I mean, I love this guy. But it just wow. it made me think like the saddest times sometimes are when you're with your family and for whatever reason you're not feeling connected. 
you're just feeling like they're talking and you're pretending to listen, but you're just in your head thinking, why don't I feel close right now? And, you know, and there's most times you don't feel like that, but once in a while you do. And that those are like the saddest moments of my life because wow. it's all right there in front of me yeah. and I can't touch it. Ooh, that's deep. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, obviously the guy's dead, so there's no way we could ever really know what his motive was or what the what the real big factor was that pushed him over the edge. Yeah. But I think sometimes people just aren't fucking happy. And I think it can you can narrow it down to a couple different things or it can be it could be a, a group of experiences from their life that they've yeah. never gotten over. It could be breakups. You know, I know people that have been dumped like in high school or college and just really never recovered. Mm. They, you know, they had a love and then the, that person just left them for someone else or something like that. And then they never bounced back. They right. fucking nosedived, went right into the rocks and just never came out. of Never it. had another relationship. Yeah, dude, it's fucking, it's, it's normal. I mean, yeah. it happens. It and happens it wasn't about that. Like you said, it wasn't <clears throat> about that relationship. It was about what came before it. Something set yeah. the stage for, for them to be that fragile. That's the best way to say it. Yeah, something set the stage. Like once they're... I loved and it was a gas, soon turned out had a heart of glass. <laughs> <laughs> Rapture. <laughs> she was the first rapper. She was, or one of them. Right? Well, no, she was. She was hanging out with um, uh, the Sugar Hill Gang and all those guys. Was she? Yeah, she, she was, hung out with them. She hung out with the earliest rappers. It was like at CBGB's, and then she'd go uptown. Wow. And uh, she wrapped it out. The Sugar Hill Gang happened, like it was popular when I was in, I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. I think I was in seventh grade. I'm not sure. One of those. But when it happened, I remember we were in the cafeteria, and somehow or another someone had a boom box or something like that, and they were playing it in my junior high school. It was when I was living in Jamaica Plain. I went to uh, my junior high school was super sketchy. Like we had, uh, we lived in a very bad neighborhood, and the uh, Jamaica Plain has kind of become gentrified now oh, yeah. a little bit. But when I lived there, like in 1979, 1980, I guess when I lived there, it was shit. Yeah, it was just, it was not good, and there was kids in our class. When I was, I guess I like I said I was thirteen, and there was a kid in my class that was seventeen. And uh, he, you're not cheating off him during a quiz. But it was weird. Like he he was there for the first couple of days, and then he left, and then he quit again. Yeah. He just never wow never stuck it out with school, and he was there for a little while, and then he bailed. And I was like, and I remember the the feeling of sadness. And I remember a girl in my class who was kind of a hoe. She was also a little bit older. She was uh, she was 16, and she yeah. was uh, in the 13 year old class, right? And she asked the teacher, uh, she goes, "If you're making out with someone." And you breathe out, and they breathe it in, and they breathe out, and you breathe it in. Do you need any more air? <laughs> it's a good fucking question. It's not a bad question, <laughs> but I remember, I remember thinking, man, this bitch gets <laughs> fucked a lot. <laughs> That's all I was thinking. It's like, she's like, I'm tired of regular air. I just want air only from people who are fucking me. Right, right, right. If your uncle exhales and you... I mean, you know, hypothetically. Not my uncle. Hypothetically, if you're in the basement and your uncle is whispering into your mouth... 
Like, what a crazy question. Like, if you could just breathe each other's air back and forth. And the science teacher, who she asked a question to, had to explain that you breathe out carbon dioxide. Yeah. And he was the first guy that really uh, kind of blew my mind. Uh, this I had, you know, you have those science teachers, like, or any kind of teacher, like when you're really young, that actually make an impression. Oh yeah, absolutely. I wish, wish I could remember this guy's name, but he was a Vietnam vet, and um, he uh, he was a, a very interesting guy because he was very calm, but like people didn't fuck with him. He was he had this weird air, but he had a beard, which I always thought was weird. It's back when people didn't have beards, yeah, like a hipster beard. And uh, I remember he said. If you really want to understand how strange the world is, just go outside and and look up and understand that there's no end to that. Right. That it goes on forever. Right. And just you want to hurt your brain, go outside and look up at the sky and realize that space is infinite, which means there's no end to it. And I remember the whole class, you know, two 16-year-olds and the rest of us were like 13. <laughs> we're just sitting there like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's no end. Like, how come nobody ever explained that to yeah. me? Like, I never even thought about it before. Right. I always knew the universe was big. I always knew space was big. But when he said that, like, no end, like, you start thinking, okay, and then further, and then further, and then further, and there's no, there's no wall. There's right. no end. Yeah. So there can't be an answer because it didn't come back. Whatever question you sent out there mm. can't come back because it's still going out there. It's like when I think about whether or not, whether or not there's a God— that's to me, I just think of the word infinity and I just think, all right, if we can, if science can ever grapple with that, then I, then I'll believe that there's no God. You believe there's a God? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. What do you believe? Like that there's an old dude in a cloud I mean, or? You... No, nothing like that. I mean, and I don't, I, I can't ar articulate it that well because I've never set out to make anybody agree with me. It's mm -hmm. just my own personal, part of it is I think I was raised very Irish Catholic. Right. And you know, you, uh. You learn the Ten Commandments, and you know they they shall have have no other gods be before me. And you know you think about this force in the universe that has all the answers. And I don't know that like I ever fully let go of that, but it morphed into my uh, kind of a like a Taoist. There's an energy that flows like with nature, and that all energy is part of it. And that your your goal to achieve enlightenment is to just become part of that energy, to let go mm. and become part of it. Like that to me is God. Is that there? There is something that um, has created the initial physical laws of the universe and that those – whatever happens within that happens, but that there was something that engineered the the way that there are physiological reactions within an atom the same way there are in a universe. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine galaxies within the universe – all all behave the same way the you know a proton and electron work in a in an atom well i think it's fractal i think that's one of the things that they're starting to realize now when they, they look into subatomic particles and they try to understand like what what's the relationship between atoms and the universe itself and i think as you go deeper and deeper and deeper it starts to resemble the universe more and more yeah the universe is mostly empty space right black I mean, matter yeah which we they don't necessarily totally understand yeah black matter is this weird thing that they're trying to figure out to try to i from the way it's been explained to me by physicists because i'm an idiot and i ask them i'm like okay try to explain <laughs> this to me they don't know 
why these galaxies behave the way they do. They don't know why in one of the ways they have formulated to try to make it make sense yeah. is this concept of dark matter. Yeah, and they say with Einstein's theory of relativity that, that it is the, the, the black matter that has an effect on um, the way light bends and yeah. the way gravity acts upon things. Physicists are listening to us right now going, oh. what are these fucking monkeys talking about? <laughs> We're not even high. <laughs> <laughs> we should get high and try to work this out. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah, no. it's really in- it really is intense because, uh, you know, when, I'm, when I am feeling down, I do start thinking about the big questions just to mm. shrink everything the fuck down. Well, I, I don't know if, if the word God is serving us very You're well. right. You're right. That's a problem. Yeah. I think it's a loaded God, a loaded word, you know? Mm. It's like, uh, it's got too much weight behind it. Yeah. And it also, it's, it's got so many meanings that connect to religious fundamentalism. Yeah. It's like ideologies that human beings have obviously created. You know, women wearing burqas and, you know, all kinds of wacky shit that's connected to these concepts of religious ideology. And you say the word God, you immediately sort of, you have a bridge to these fundamentalist ideas. Yeah. And they're not that good. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's almost like, again, going back to my Catholicism, I guess it just became a replacement for that that concept. Yeah. And, but you're right. I think that there's a, there's a lot of stigma attached to it. And, um, you know, trying to, trying to get somebody to agree with your God is the thing that's always yeah. fascinated me. Like, why, why do you need a bunch of people to convert and kneel next to you and all have the same beliefs? Why can't you just... Have your understanding and be peaceful with it. That's how you know that veganism is a religion. Yeah. Because they're all trying to get you to do it, too. Right. They're all trying to get We're going to save the world. Meanwhile, polar bears are eating their kids. Yeah. You're not saving shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, uh, the idea of stopping torture and stopping, you know, uh, factory farming, these are all good things. The, the, The less harm we can do is all a good thing. But there's something about that need to convert people. There's something about that patronizing attitude they have. And there's something about this overwhelming desire to incorporate other people into their mm-hmm. group that completely smacks of religion. Well, you do that uh, Bikram yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I did a couple That's classes a and then I found out it was a cult. 100%. They started trying to indoctrinate me into these long-term contracts. And I was like, can I just come and pay you 25 bucks and take the <laughs> fucking class? Do I have to agree with you spiritually also? <laughs> Well, they say crazy shit too. Like this, this supports your inverse colon. And okay, can I see some documentation? <laughs> can I see some medical studies? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, a yeah. friend of mine teaches yoga, and I actually had a conversation with her about it. I'm like, you know, teaches Bikram or regular? Yeah. And I was like, maybe some teachers should probably stop saying these things about like medical stuff. Yeah. Because they teach you that in Bikram yoga. Like, they teach you to say that. But Bikram himself. He's a fucking crook. Yeah. He's a crazy con man and a cult leader. Right. And he's just got sued for like millions of dollars for sexual harassment and rape. Yeah. I mean, he's like, I mean, allegedly a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, and he's the leader of this whole thing. Somebody explained to me, an instructor explained to me why he teaches Bikram yoga. And he's like, look, the method is very good. The method of doing it in the hot room, 104 degrees, the the poses themselves in that order, the 90 minutes of them are excellent. He goes, I 100% believe in the method of it. But the method wasn't even created by Bikram. That's right. It's created by another guy in the 30s. Yep. 
And Bikram copywrote it, but he recently lost a court case. Where we see what happens is people get into yoga, they say, I want to be spiritual, I want to be healthy, and they start taking yoga. Then they find out about this Bikram guy and they go, Wait the fuck what the fuck is going on, man? He he recently got busted. Right, where well, they were, they were like trying to like assess his assets because they were suing the shit out of him. All these people that he tried to fuck or whatever the hell he did. Yeah, allegedly, by the yeah, way. Yeah, allegedly. allegedly. I don't want to su- get sued, but he they they found he had a f- warehouse filled with like Rolls Royces and Bentleys and shit. And you know what his explanation was? He was going to start an engine, an automotive engineering school for children, and that's why he got these cars. That's his fucking explanation. Well, the, you got to understand, kids, they want to work on large motors. Only Bentleys. On, and Bentleys. They're into bling-bling cars. Oh, my God. What that's hilarious. fucking dipshit. Yeah. Oh, Yeah, well, it's amazing because, it, you know, yoga is, it can be spiritual, but it can also be, like, I, I used to go to this place called Yaz in Venice Beach, and it was yoga and spinning together. So you'd get on a spin bike for, it was perfect, one hour, 30 minutes on a spin bike, and then 30 minutes of like power yoga. Mm. And you walked out with like a great cardio workout, stretched out, and they didn't utter a word about anything spiritual because it was sort of like the antidote to like Bikram where they're trying mm. to suck you into something. Right. But I miss I miss that little vinyasa at the end. I like mm. a little bit of like a, a meditation that's led in a very simple way mm-hmm. because it's like you're already in that almost sub-REM state. Mm-hmm. And then physically, you can. It's just so much easier to go into that mental. You like you've really earned that that uh, meditation. Well, it's ninety minutes too. Yeah, ninety minutes is fucking hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to do a ninety minute class at one hundred and four degrees where you're stretching out. But what I find one of the big benefits of it, not just physical, because there's some massive physical benefits. First of all, my back feels amazing since yeah. I've been doing it. And I've been doing it like real steady every week since about August. Somewhere around wow. then, where it was when I started. You do it once a week? Sometimes twice a week, but mostly once a week. But I'm going to try to do three times a week. What I'm going to try to do now, because of uh, I've dedicated myself to this new diet, and I talked about it a lot. And one of the things I found out is if you talk about something like on a podcast, and you say, hey, for the next 60 days, I'm not going to have any added sugar, no grains, no this, no that. Like, you just do it. Yeah. Because you've already said it. Right. And then other people hear it, you know, the people that listen to the podcast, they go, oh, well, I'll fucking try that too. Yeah. And then I hear about all the benefits these people are having from the diet. And then I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to just, because if it was just me, if I said, oh, I'll give this a shot. Yeah. And then I pass by someplace with a chocolate croissant. I'm like, fuck yeah, give me that. Yeah. You know, but I can't. So I'm not doing it. So right. Um, so and then my, these other people follow. Yeah. And soon you're going to have a fucking fleet of Rolls Royces. No. I'm, I'm, my cult's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's no entry fee. You can leave whatever you want. YouTube cult. But the uh, my idea is that I'm going to commit to doing it three days a week because three days a week is fucking hard for me. It's very difficult. So I'm going to do 60 days of three days a week. Wow. But, I'm going to see how that feels. But the tough thing is I found when I did it, I couldn't do shit. I, I had like two spots that night and I was still not 100%. I was a little uh, lightheaded still. Well, you probably need to rehydrate. Yeah. You probably needed more water. And also electrolytes. Somebody told me oh, you got to yeah. get a lot of... Uh, yeah. yeah, you sweat a lot, man. Yeah. 104 degrees. You're pouring sweat. Right, pouring. By the end of it, I mean, I'm fucking drenched. And I have this huge, like, uh, thermos. 
that I fill with ice and water before the class. And yeah. by the end of it, it's empty. Yeah. The, uh, the idea that I could drink that much water in 90 minutes is crazy. Yeah. And the idea that it just, I just go right through it. Mm-hmm. It's just so hot in there. But the benefits for your body are definitely legit. Like my flexibility is fantastic yeah. right now. My back feels amazing. And the big one, though, is how shit just rolls off your back. Yeah. Like, things don't bother me. Really? The way they would bother me if I wasn't doing it. No, no shit. man. Yeah, it's it's amazing. One, the example I use is one, this guy rear-ended my car, my Porsche. Uh, While this, you're at a stoplight? No, even worse. It was a, There was a construction on the highway, and this guy wasn't fucking paying attention. He was looking at his phone, and he it was from Mexico, no driver's license. Oh. Illegal. Slams on his brakes, plows into me with his Honda Civic, just wrecks his car. His car was totaled. My car was actually not that bad. They just had to replace, because Porsches actually designed their cars incredibly well. Yeah. And they have this collision bar behind the engine that accordions when it gets hit, and it completely protected the engine. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it was only like a two-week fix. Yeah. I sent it back to Shark Works in Northern California. They they fixed it. I had it back in two weeks. Wow. Fine. Good as new. But no compensation from the other driver? Uh, allegedly, yeah, some insurance, yeah. so we'll see, but right. most likely no. Yeah. But the thing is, man, what I, I saw the guy hit his... I looked at him. He wasn't paying attention. I looked him, him look up. I saw the look in his eyes... You know, like, you, you realize, like, right before he hits, this fucking guy, he slammed on his brakes right before he hit. And luckily, he wasn't going too fast because traffic was going kind of slow. Mm. But um, I got out, and it, I wasn't upset. It was yeah. weird. Wow. I mean, this is, I fucking love that car. Yeah. I mean, it is a rare car. There's very few of them. You can't get them anymore. Like, if you you buy them, they're extremely hard to find. And mine is really rare because it's it was done by Sharkworks, which is a company in Northern California. Yeah, yeah, you told me about that. all shit to it. So, but I got out, and the first thing I did, I go up to him. I go, you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we're both okay. And I swear to God, man, I wasn't even upset. I, I was not upset. I was like level. And it was because I did yoga that day and I'd done it another day that week. Uh-huh. And I was just, I was on my way to the store. That was what I was worried about was I was going to miss my spot. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I usually give myself like, I like to get there like 20 minutes before. Yeah. And I'm like, this might fuck me up. You know? Right. But I really attribute that to just a, the, there's a, a balance that you get from doing something like that where you're you're exerting yourself extremely hard for 90 minutes. It's so fucking difficult. And most people don't know. You pass by yoga studios, you look in there and you go, ah, a bunch of housewives right. playing with their feet. And they're not yeah. doing anything. But it's fucking, it's a struggle. And yeah. it's a mental struggle. Yeah, you break through some walls for sure. And yeah. the thing is, is I remember I used to take it up in uh, San, uh, San Francisco. And for years, this is... 10, 15 years ago, I used to take it up in San Francisco. I don't know if it was Bikram back then or it was just hot yoga. But when I tried to leave the studio because I felt dizzy and nauseous, everyone in the class was like, no, you can do it. Like they really encourage you to break through together. It's like a team effort to get through it. There's a lot of support in that because if you're by yourself and you've experienced that same feeling, you're like, oh, stop right here. Relax. But you can't stop because everything's timed. The teacher's timing it. And they're they're gonna push you through it, and everyone else in the class is doing it. It's a sixty year old lady right next to me. She's doing it. Yeah. How come I can't do it? Right. You know, we all experience the same thing, yeah. and you realize that's the thing about yoga is like maybe one person might be able to lift a heavier weight than this person, or they might be able to run faster. But the effort that a sixty year old person puts in versus a twenty year old person 
is, is the same because it's 100%. You're putting in 100% effort to move your body. Yeah. So you might be able to move more or have more flexibility than another person, but the amount of effort you put in is the same. Yeah. So class is never easy. Yeah. Because it's always 100% effort. Yeah. So it's always fucking difficult. Well, and my friend explained to me, I didn't realize this, but that each pose is working a different organ that you're cleaning out, See, you're compressing. Oh. Uh, I'm not compressing any fucking organs. What are you, a machine? Yeah. What are you, a vice? Compressing your organs. What are you, toothpaste? You're stretching and holding it. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're, you're pushing your body. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of benefits to your organs. Yeah. You know, because there's benefits to all your muscles. Your circulation is pumping. You're, yeah. You know, you're sweating like crazy. There's yeah. probably a lot of benefits. How and, would you describe the smell of a Bikram yoga room? Like a foot, underarm, butthole. Little vagina. And then a lot of, like, anti-fungal sprays yeah. and yeah. a lot of, um, you know, deodorants and, like, whatever the fuck they're using to clean it, whatever detergents. Yeah, you need to let go into the smell a little bit, too. <laughs> At first, that's a wall you get through as well. Well, the place I go to, they do a great job of cleaning the carpets and vacuuming it. And, but, carpets, yeah, really? exactly. It shouldn't be a carpet, right? Damn. Yeah, hardwood floor. But, yeah. But it's too slippery. Hardwood floors get super slippery. Yeah. And people fall and fucking rip their knees apart. I took a shower afterwards, and uh, usually, you know, I'm, I'm always self-conscious in a shower. I just, I nudity is, was just not part of my upbringing at all. I think, again, Irish Catholic shame. Right. And, uh, but my dick was hanging low with that heat. It looked good. <laughs> my balls were fucking just swinging. <laughs> Isn't it funny that your dick, especially your balls, literally stretches to get the fuck away from your body? Like, this guy's <laughs> overheating. Let's get out of here. Hang low. Hang low. There's an asshole back there. Get away from the asshole. <laughs> yeah, and then when it's cold, it hides. It goes, we got to fucking let us in. Let us in. This is one weirdo who goes to my yoga class, and he always looks at me like I stole something from him. I'm like, I don't even know you, man. I didn't do anything. I always say hi to him, and he's always like reluctant to say hi back. When he comes out of the shower, he cups his balls in his dick. No like, shit. Like, no one can see. Really? Yeah. Like, there's something wrong with this guy. Well, if you can cup your both balls and your dick with one hand. Yeah. He's got issues. I can see why he's well, hiding. he doesn't want you to see it. But, it, but it's also like... He he looks at other men like they did something to him. Like I've yeah. seen him, I, and I've watched him interact with other men too. Yeah, it's like, what happened to you, dude? Yeah, this guy just said hi to you, and you you looked at him like you just stole your fucking girlfriend or right. something. It's weird. It's like sometimes uh, I was just on the road uh, in uh, in Addison, and you know these guys from Texas, they come up and they're like, they got on the crisp polo shirt mm -hmm. and the fucking you know slacks with pleats and Especially tassels Dallas. on there. Yeah, and they're real. Yeah, crew cut, and they're fucking built. And this guy comes up, and he right in my face, like grabs my hand. He's like, "How you doing?" And I go, "I go, it's okay. I don't need to buy any insurance today." <laughs> like I get, you're an alpha. You're an alpha. You're not gay. I got it. Take it easy on my hand. <laughs> nice tassels on your shoes, there, fella. It's Those like, slip-on loafers you yeah, got right, there. Right. <laughs> Why are people still buying those double tassels? Like little bells. Those little fucking weird things. What are those? The little octopuses that are hanging from the body. They don't look good. They, they look, look stupid. So stupid. But they're so common. I know. It's like there's a style that like make got created and just they stuck with it. Right. Right. It's like ties. Yeah, ties. The whole idea of dangling a piece of uh, of material from in front yeah, of you. Yeah, there they are. Oh my god! Look and how it's always that looks. and why is it always with no socks? I don't know, man. And it's always guys with little feet. 
You got your feet must stink in those things. They got to stink. There's no yeah. There's no air getting into those things. Yeah, and it's leather, leather. Your sweaty ass feet with no socks. It's Ugh. almost like what you'd see like a bagpiper wear. That's a oh, it's a weird fetish. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Jesus. Okay, dork. Right now, where are you? He's texting his girlfriend. She's getting stuffed by some other dude, just gorilla fucked by some guy she met at the gym. Well, he's out there getting a manicure. Well, I was going to go to the gym, but my nails are horrendous. Yeah. So um, I'll call you later. We're still going to do the tapas bar. And she's just getting stuffed. What are you going to wear, by the way? I want to make sure it matches what I'm wearing. Mm, don't wear blue because I'm wearing blue. <laughs> I'm dressed as Ellen DeGeneres. You'll be able to see me. <laughs> I'm dressed as Ellen's wife. <laughs> I'm dressed as poor skin Rossi. Oh. oh yeah, that's beautiful. That's great. The um and, and he only fucks her up the ass. That's that's when you gotta oh. wonder. You think so? Like, Is always. there a guy like that? He's just uh Really? Yeah, he, she hmm. she's only taking up the ass and he's always like got his hand in front of her pussy and he's jacking it up and down. And she's like, What are you doing? You're really specific. Is there an air fantasy? Is there an air cock that you're jerking off? I put my room? tassels on, I need my tassels. <laughs> Where are my little first? I want to feel like we're fucking at the office. You don't even work in an office. <laughs> I want to. Don't fuck up the fantasy. You're I want to be normal. I want to be the executive. Today I'm the executive. <laughs> I'm sexually harassing. I want you to sue me while I'm fucking you. We're fucking because I got a promotion. You don't even have a job. I got a promotion today. Stop ruining it. Promotion. You get a trust fund. That world, man. That world that most people who are listening to this are stuck in. That world of like trying to get a promotion, mm. trying to move your way up the company ladder, going to company meetings, hundreds of people all getting together, wives and husbands and fucking shaking hands and wearing your loafers. Wearing tassels. your loafers and trying to figure out what church you're supposed to go to to get oh, ahead. Oh, God. What country club to join once you get to that next level. Country club. I looked at houses in, uh, do you know where Lake Sherwood is? No. Lake Sherwood is a, an area like way out near like Thousand Oaks. Really nice, really nice place. And it's a giant country club, like a gated community country club. Yeah. And uh, we looked at a house there. And um, when we were there, it's like, like, what, like, what is this place? Like, this is like, what's going on in this place? It's all like people who go there and they play golf because it's like you, you to sign up and be a part of the golf thing. The golf costs like some insane amount of money a year like really stupid money like pull that up find out how much lake sure oh, they're not going to list it country club but i think it's like a quarter million dollars a year yeah like something stupid i might be wrong maybe it's 50 grand or something like that yeah but it's something something where you're like what were well, they just trying to keep out anybody of who's course. not stupid wealth right does right. it say yeah. does it say how much jamie they list. I thought those clubs would it's keep a, that on the down it's not low. On their website, this is an article I found. Oh, one hundred and eighty-five thousand right. dollars if you want to play golf. Yeah, there. because think about it. if you're a billionaire, one eighty-five doesn't mean shit to you, except that people without it can't get in. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's not affecting your bottom line. It's just an insurance policy. You know, like, and then you see these clubs. Like, there's a club in Santa Monica. I forget w which one it is, but you drive past it. There's never anybody on the course. This is. <sighs> this is. Miles, think about the real estate in Santa Monica. If you had a 3,000 square foot store, you'd be paying, you know, $10,000 a month for it. Now take that store, step it into a golf course that's square miles in that same neighborhood. What What is that possibly worth? And there's nobody playing on the course. It's insane. 
It's insane. And the amount of water. Oh, yeah. The sheer amount of water that gets used by golf courses. Like, they did a... Um, they had a chart that showed all the water that's being used by residential people and uh, houses and, you know, regular folks versus agriculture. And, you know, the agriculture is just staggering how much water they use. But the, the really nutty one was millions and millions of gallons. How many millions are being used by golf courses just yeah. in Southern California? Right. I mean, it's like a significant percentage of our water usage is golf. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they write off the land. They don't have to pay taxes on it as much as normally because they call it. You ready for this? It's like a, uh, it's it's considered wildlife. What? Like every city is supposed to have zoned out a certain amount of undeveloped land for the environment. Oh and my golf courses God. were able to loophole their way into that, so they don't pay no. as much tax. Yeah, it's a wildlife preserve. Right. It's for squirrels. <laughs> Squirrels with fucking bumps on their head from getting hit by golf balls. How many squirrels have been murked by a fucking blind drive? You imagine if you're a squirrel just sitting there, back a fucking golf ball bigger than your head comes seventy five miles an hour. It's like wait, Dar- you in the head. Darwin didn't teach me about this. How do I react to this in nature? My friend Ryan got hit in the head by a line drive, and he said he was fucked up for like oh, yeah. six months. Really? Six months. He had massive headaches. It's a fucking hardball, man. Uh, I know too many people that have had like significant head problems from getting hit in the head. Like people always wonder, like, why I'm always droning on and on about head trauma yeah. and MMA and, and football and the dangers of it. It's because I know a lot of people that. One knockout, and they're fucked for like a year. Yeah, yeah. Constant headaches, right. constant ringing in their ear. My son just got his first concussion. You know, he plays soccer, and he got, uh, I think he got kneed in the head in a collision, mm-hmm. and he was out of school for a week. He uh. couldn't, like, he'd go to school, and he'd have his head down on his desk in first period and have to come home again. Wow. It was bad, and it was like, fuck, man. You don't know when that happens. Mm. A concussion can last a day. Mm-hmm. It can last, like you said, it could go on and on with, with uh, headaches. and. It's really important to recognize that because there's, like, a lot of restrictions they put on athletes after they've been KO'd. Like, uh, for fighters, they'll, they'll, you know, say, like, no contact for 30 days or 60 days or something like that. But that's not adequate. Because you really don't know. Each individual case of someone getting knocked out is is totally different. Right. One person can get knocked out and they're fine a couple of days later. And then another person would get knocked out and they're fucked up for a long time. Like I got um, TKO'd once in a kickboxing fight. And uh, I was exhausted. It was the third fight of the night. I had fought twice that night before that fight. And part of it was exhaustion. I did get clipped with a good left hook, though. My legs gave out. And I went down. I never went out. But a, a, sometimes a punch to the jaw is weird, too, because a punch to the jaw, what happens is it's not even necessarily your brain. It's like the nerve behind, like the, the nerves. The way it's been explained to me is your jaw, when it moves, can slam into the nerve. And when it slams into the nerve, it like short circuits your system. Yeah. And your legs give out. It's yeah. weird. It's not good for you, but my point is, I was fine after that. Like, I was fine that night. I was fine the next day. I mean, it it wouldn't be a good idea if I had another fight after that, but it wasn't like I had ringing in my ears and headaches and I was in, like, serious pain. But I had other times, just from sparring sessions, where I didn't get knocked out, where my head was pounding for days Just from taking a punch. Just from taking a punch or a kick. Mm-hmm. And you don't know. You don't know which which day you're going to be fine or which yeah. day you're going to be fucked. It all depends entirely on 
how you get hit, how your body responds to it, yeah. what the actual damage is, and no one you can't tell unless you get in the brain. Yeah. Like they really can't tell. They don't You know, know. who's amazing is uh James Bond will get knocked out, like out. Somebody, you know, like a bad guy will elbow him and he'll fucking lose consciousness. He'll get up and like drive a car, dance. <laughs> well, he gets pistol whipped too. <laughs> he gets pistol whipped? They get pistol whipped in the back of the head. They go down, they wake <laughs> up, oh, you hit me. <laughs> they just get up. <laughs> like it's nothing. Keep on going. <laughs> That's that pistol whip to the back of the head move. It's like yeah. always effective. I know, it you never kill bah! the guy. They, no. and, and also, when you're fighting a bunch of people, you can pistol whip, you got to shoot some, mm -hmm. you can pistol whip the others, and they'll go down, and you just know they're going to stay down until mm. you're, you're clear, until you're out of there. When was the first time you saw someone actually get knocked out? Have you saw, how many people have you seen get knocked out in real well, life? bar fights, I've seen tons. Like KOs? Yeah, I've seen KOs in Boston outside of bars. Oof. Street chaos are the scariest because they bounce their head off the concrete. Yeah, right. There's something sickening, just yeah. absolutely sickening about the sound of an unconscious person's head bouncing right. off the concrete. Right. Oof. Yeah, I saw this kid when I was about 17. I was at a bar in Tarrytown where I grew up, and this kid, uh, he was on it. He was on stairs. This bar that had an upstairs, and this one kid was coming up, other one was coming down, and they had a beef. And the kid uh, above just fucking clocked this guy and he fell backwards hit his head he was in a coma for six months oh my god still not 100 percent. this you know i mean 10 years later i haven't seen him since but 10 oh years later the guy god. was off oh my god what happened to the guy who did it to him went to jail for how long it's like three months not enough nope fuck now bar fights are no joke man kevin james used to work as a bouncer in a bar in long island guy he was working with punched a guy the guy fell back hit his head off the curb and died Ooh. yeah just fucking bar fight, bouncer, drunk guy, punches the guy, jail. Guy go to jail? Yeah, jail. Manslaughter, yeah. whole deal. Wow. wow. Yeah. Just... It's no joke. People think it's a joke. Yeah. You know, it's like you got all these tough guys that go out to the bars, and mm -hmm. then, you know, hey, we have a fist fight, and, you know, it's, it can end very fucking tragically very fast. Some comic at the comedy store got knocked out, like about, I want to say about a year ago, maybe even less. Yeah. Um, he was on a motorcycle. And he pulled up to the comedy store, and he parked his motorcycle, and um, I guess he kept it running, and some guy yelled at him, hey, man, shut that fucking thing off. Like, they were having a conversation, like, over by the patio. Yeah. And uh, he laughed at him, like, because the guy was, like, saying it, like, really aggressive. And he took his helmet off. The guy walked over to him and just fucking cold cocked him and knocked him out. Wow. Just for having a motorcycle running. Oh, shit. I guess it was one of those, blah, 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 those loud, like, Harley things that people yeah. love. They love right. those loud... Right. But they say that, that those are loud. That's good because it saves you from people colliding into you. Fuck that. If I was a cop, you know, they have like a they have like a noise meter. That is my biggest pet peeve. You're having a conversation <clears throat> on the street and you have to stop for 20 seconds cuz some fucking asshole has got a muffler that he jacked up to make that much noise. Mm. Like he's Oh, what are you powerful? Oh, oh, I hate that shit. And you feel it in your chest when they go by. They're really loud, some of those bikes. Really, really Second loud. Second only to the truck that has like that massive horn <laughs> that makes your body go paralyzed for like a second. <laughs> like a like a dog whistle. Yeah. <laughs> your body just goes, What? Yeah. Yeah, those loud motorcycles though, like I guess too loud is 
you know, a problem. Yeah. But like a Harley, like when you buy one from a store without yeah. fucking with it. That's fine. In, in the but that la- that level of loudness apparently prevents a lot of accidents. Yeah. Because people hear it and then they avoid you. Because like pr- part of the problem with motorcycle accidents, like say if you have like one of those Japanese speed bikes, yeah, like, they don't make that much noise. Right. So you got to rum rum when you're next to people, so they know you're there. Because people are fucking texting and drifting. How often do you look over and you see people texting? Oh yeah. And I drive a Prius. Yeah. Because I'm dead inside, but people <laughs> people really can't hear you. I pulled up today to, to Valley Park, and uh, the guy's fucking sitting there doing a crossword puzzle, and I'm looking at him, and uh, and I finally went, excuse me. He's like, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. And it's like, you feel insignificant already in a Prius? You feel <laughs> castrated and a zero? Yeah, they don't make any noise. Like, here's me flooring it. <clears throat> then your car. <clears throat> You know you want to get a nice car. I you've did. Been, you've been thinking about this for years. What holds you back? I need a little bump of money. I, I to justify it because the college fund isn't there yet. I got to mm. get a little, get a nice little hit. Go out and buy that Mustang. Did you see the new ones? You've seen the new ones? Yeah. My friend Matt Farah. I like the back. Just sent me a text. Apparently, the new Shelby. They have a new Shelby GT350. Yeah. And he just sent me a text about it, and he said. He's he's emailing everyone he knows at Ford, just begging them to sell him one. Oh, they're hard to they're get. They're hard to get because it's a Shelby GT350. So they have a PR guy that's going to hook him up. But he said, like, literally, it is the best car he's ever driven. How much is it? I don't know. Not that expensive though. It's like less than a lot of cars. But apparently, they're really hard to get. The Shelby. But you don't need a Shelby. Like a GT, a Mustang GT. But one of the cool things about the horsepower wars, like, here's what's all that white stuff on it. Is that just like shininess? What is that? Is that a yeah. fucked up part about the M? Is like uh, artifact? I don't know. It's not on my screen. Mm. It's not on my screen. I don't know what that is. Um, see if you find another one. It's not on your screen? No. Oh, it's only when it transfers over to the television? Yeah. yeah no, oh, how weird. weird. How fucking strange is that? Um, there's other images I'm sure you could find. But anyway, the car is a monster. Yeah. But a regular Mustang GT. The thing is... A regular one. Like, find out how much a regular Mustang GT is. I think it's only about, I want to say it's about 35 grand. They start the at GT, 35 grand. GT, I think, grand. is more than that. I think a regular Mustang, just like a baseline Mustang, you can get for about 32. Really? Just don't, G, not GT350, Jamie. G, just GT. Ford Mustang GT. Yeah. How much do those bitches cost? I think, like, well, the thing, what I was saying is, like, for. The amount of look at that thirty-two grand for a oh, Mustang GT—that's fucking crazy. Yeah. The amount of power that those things have, and how good they run, and how good they drive—it's a bargain. It's an amazing bargain yeah. because they have more than four hundred horsepower. Those things are fast as fuck. Like, what is it? Four hundred and thirty. What does it say there, Jamie? Don't scroll real quick. What does it say? Four thirty-five. Four hundred thirty-five fucking horsepower. Uh, four hundred foot-pound of torque for thirty-two grand. I mean. That's incredible. Yeah. And the interior looks good. They have Recaro cloth front seats. Think about what it would have cost to make a car with those dimensions 10 years ago. They couldn't do it. Well, how about this? You You would blow the doors off a Ferrari of 20 years ago. Yeah. With this car, with this $32,000 car. Right. And it sounds great. It's a wonderful American V8. Yeah. They look great. I mean- I would drive that 100%. Yeah. And it'd be fun. Those are fun to fucking drive, man. Yeah. It's a great car. And for 32 grand, whenever we talk about these things, people will get mad. They go, 32 grand is a lot of money. Relax. I'm going to get some ads on my, uh, my ads have slowed down on my podcast. I got to, I got to hook some up. 
Have they slowed down because you haven't pursued them? Or No, I think my uh, people. Your ad people are not good? They're slacking? Slacking. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do all that shit yourself. Yeah. You rely on other people to get it for you. They better yeah. do their job. Right. I'll connect you to my guys after we're done here. Yeah. They're good. Might be time. Yeah, you gotta. The thing is, you gotta find something you actually like. Like uh, my favorite ads are like um, Dollar Shave Club or something like yeah, that. Yeah, fuck yeah, Dollar it's, Shave it's Club. Legit. It's great. It's hundred percent legit. I like advertising that. Square I like Space. Uh, Squarespace is good. Uh, blue Blue uh, Blue Apron. Blue Apron's great. Yeah. Fucking less than ten bucks a meal. Yeah. Finding stuff that you—that's the whole key to it. Like I've had a lot of people try to advertise and i'm like ooh, i can't get behind that one of them yeah. was like an uber for babysitters i was like get the fuck out of here really you crazy you're gonna have some person come over and and watch the, the the most important person in your life other than your spouse just randomly just randomly because Uh-oh. it's cheaper yeah they're all they're screened like yeah what the, the yeah fuck there's certain things you can't go by price yeah. you know Oof. yeah there's uh yeah, there's some that uh, do you do the betting sites like uh, DraftKings and all that. Yeah, I did. I had them for a long time. I haven't done one in a while. I, I like I like the idea behind it, but some people say that there's issues with how you get paid. Oh yeah. Or uh, not how you get paid, rather, but um, how many people get paid. Like, weren't, weren't you saying something like that, Jamie? What were you saying? Uh, when I found out, about most of it was like 1% of the players were making like something like 90 to 95% of the money. The 1%? Oh, yeah. Again, these fucking 1%ers. The percenters. 1%ers. Goddamn 1%ers. It's all white guys. Yeah, white guys that know a lot about sports. But I feel like if you know if you understand a lot about like MMA, and that's one of the things where um, I like it. I'm like, man, I feel like you can make money. Like, if you're one of those crazy people that goes on MixedMartialArts.com and you're there every day and you know all the fucking stats, you know, you watch, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you watch all the training videos, you know who's training with who and what, wow, this guy's got this new trainer and it's going to help him. With his, I just feel like those guys. Did you have any inkling about that last fight, the two big upsets last yeah. week? Yeah, both of them. Really. You had a feeling on both of them yeah. that they'd be upsets? No, I had a feeling that Holly could get beat by Misha, but I thought Connor was going to get beat by Nate. Mm. I had a feeling. I, I said it to uh, my friends too that were sitting right behind me. Uh, I took my headset off as they were doing the uh, the introductions. I said, "This is gonna no be an upset." No shit, yeah. really? Yeah, I could tell. I've, well, we just saw an upset when Misha choked Holly out. Yeah, and uh, I knew that Misha was gonna fight real smart, and the way she fought was super cautious on the outside, and she made Holly come to her, which is not how Holly likes to fight. When Ronda fought Holly, it was the perfect fight for Holly because Ronda charged after her like a maniac, and Holly just sidestepped her, blasted her, moved back, blasted her. She just countered her. Yeah. And for a person who's a counter striker, that style that Ronda employed is the perfect style. Even more perfect for someone like Holly because Ronda doesn't kick. So Ronda has a short range attack, short range attack, and. On top of that, her grappling is a limited attack because she only likes to tie up with the upper body. Mm. Like, Ronda doesn't take anybody down by shooting on their legs. Yeah. So I knew that Holly fighting Misha, would, she would have a totally different type of opponent. First of all, Misha's not going to charge at her. She's not stupid. She's not reckless. She's not a, a fucking crazed maniac like Ronda was in that fight. Ronda mm. was just like a maniac. She just wanted to smash her face in. Yeah. You can't fight like that. And Misha fought like super intelligent, very cautious, stayed on the outside. And then once in the second round, Misha got her down and just dominated her on the ground. I was like, okay, my suspicions were correct. Misha can do this. But then Holly pulled it off for the next couple rounds. 
And it uh, looked like Holly was going to probably win a decision if she won the last round. And then Misha took her down and yeah. choked her unconscious. And that was just madness. That must have been the payout on picking the underdogs on those two must have been huge. Giant. I think it was six to one with Connor and Nate. And I think Misha and Holly was something like three to one. Yeah. I don't know. I might have made that up. I think if you picked them both and bet 100 bucks, you won something like 1500 bucks <laughs> together. Jamie, yeah, them both together. Jamie bet on Nate. Yeah, I won 500 bucks. Did you? There you go. Yeah, Jamie was there. I got a picture of Jamie, Tony, and uh, my friend Frosty, the three of them holding up their betting slips right after the fight. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, they're all sitting Frost, right behind. Frosty? No, Frosty's a sound guy for the UFC. Mm. He's a sound engineer. But um, I can I, see Jamie taking that Joe Rogan experience <laughs> money and fucking doubling it down <laughs> yeah there's them there's tony Hinchcliffe too oh that's great receipt. oh i saw a great <laughs> picture of um uh who was it in the background kissing on the kiss cam oh ari and duck yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was fucking great now yeah, before they were kissing they were throwing up illuminati signs they were doing like that <laughs> And they waited until the fucking camera was right on them and they turned and kissed. <laughs> Tongue and everything, by the way. <clears throat> watch this. Watch this. Here it is. Uh, the camera's on them. <laughs> <laughs> and you see them after it's grabbed their face like, what the fuck did we do? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's like Borat doing that cage match down south. <laughs> No, no, Bruno, not Bruno. Bruno. Those guys are animals. Look at that. They're throwing up the Illuminati signs. Oh, that? that's so great. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably on mushrooms, too. They get on mushrooms all the time when they do the yeah, UFC. Yeah. Because you, you could sit there for a long time. Look at that. They're kissed. <laughs> Because the thing about that is, <sighs> you do it in the moment and it's funny, and then all you're thinking about is the two dudes that are sitting behind you the whole time for the rest of the match going, are they going to do that again? What the fuck? Well, they were sitting in the seats that are right behind me, so they weren't even audience seats. Right. Those are production seats. Yeah. They're sitting in like the best seats oh, you no can get. Shit. They're, they're three feet from the cage. Wow. You know, they're right there. They're like, literally, they could touch me. They could touch yeah. my back. I was supposed to be there. We did a gig together in Vegas not too long ago with a fight the next day, and I had to fucking bail. God damn. I know. I know. God damn it. No Mustang, no no ringside seats. I'm missing it all. Oh, can we plug by the way the tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Yeah, we're we're at the improv tomorrow March night. March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Joe Rogan uh, joining once again. I believe you did it last year too. I've done it a couple times, done right? It, yeah, I've done it a few times. The uh, St. Patrick's Day show. We got all Irish comics coming down. Uh Joe McRogan, uh <laughs> Karen Kilgariff, Mike Gibbons, we got a special guest I can't even announce. Huge name guest. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is he Irish? Uh, Greek. Okay. We'll talk later. All right. Okay. It'd be good. Tickets. Okay. Uh, some tickets left. Go to the improv. Always a good time. Always a good time. And, uh, I have a little Irish. I'm one quarter Irish. That's it? So it's real. Yeah. All right. You're still, it's legit. You're still, you're still on there. the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to have a party afterwards. A little corned <laughs> beef next door and some oh, really? Irish music and decorations and I'm so glad they turned the improv around and have that bar in the front I again. They had it all wrong for about a year there. Well, they turned it into like some lounge in Encino. Yeah. It was like, it was white in there and yeah. it was weird de decorations. Like, who designed this? Yeah. And now it's dark again and it looks cool. There was nothing wrong with it in the first place. No. It was perfect before. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know why they did it. I don't yeah, know what they were trying to do. Some people can't just uh, leave a good thing alone. I think they thought they were going to have a successful restaurant in the front. Yeah. For some reason, and it didn't pan out, and the restaurant didn't work out. They didn't, which most restaurants don't. They say like ninety percent of all restaurants fail in the first year. Right. Yeah. But they got it back. It's great again. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, it's back to its roots. Yeah, it's a great club. Yeah. And I like how they have a second room now. They have that lab. Yeah, the lab's good. Have you done it? Fucking great. Yeah, it's I really did it. good. This is where I did Ari when that's when Ari first started his This Is Not Happening, the show that was on last night yeah. on Comedy Central, which is on every week now. Um, before Ari had that television show, he started that off in the improv lab, I think, I want to say like six years ago. Yeah. And his, his idea was, and it was a very smart idea, that you would develop stories better and really tighten them up if there wasn't pressure to do like traditional stand-up. Mm -hmm. So like you would do storytelling shows and you would do them on a theme, like guys who've been arrested right. or people that have, you know, done too many drugs or whatever. And you would do, he would do a theme on these things and you go up there and just explore the story. And if you could do that, you would find the funny stuff in there because you, you, it's, it's a different format. You know, it's, you're kind of doing stand-up. But then some guys would fuck it up. Like they would go up there and they would just set up punchlines. Yeah. They would do just jokes. And, right. But then like Diaz does it right. Like Diaz would tell you these crazy stories and they would be funny. Yeah. He would find the funny in them. And a lot of those like became bits. Yeah. Because he like got comfortable. And Ari did too as well. Got comfortable saying them in the storytelling format and then sort of edited it down and honed it and sharpened it and folded the steel. And then it made it become a, a really solid bit. Right. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. You know, I got a new bit about. Uh, Seeing a couple fucking in the hotel room across from me. Did and you? It, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking amazing. I mean, I won't do the bit. I'll tell you. The, the story has now turned into a bit that fucking crushes. <laughs> I mean, it went from, you know how sometimes you get a new bit and it can take three months to become your closing bit oh, because yeah. you're still working out? Yeah. This thing raced to closing bit in like five tellings of it. Really? So I won't do the bit, but I'll tell you the story, which is basically New Year's Eve in Portland. The hotel is like a, a horseshoe shape. So I'm on the 10th floor, and I look across into a room, and the curtains are open, lights are on. Chick is on her back, legs up, and this dude who's ripped is fucking pounding her. <laughs> and I'm just standing there looking at him like, like this is the greatest thing I've ever, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. I, got, I still have my bag in my hand, and I'm just transfixed. And they're, you know, they're really fucking, and then at one point he, uh, he he's he goes down on one knee, eats her out, stands up, keeps fucking. I'm like high five in the glass, like go man. And then and so I had the curtain closed because I didn't want them to see me. <laughs> but I pop my head through the curtain, <laughs> so I look like a photographer from the 1930s. Ah, with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> And then I start thinking about what it must sound like. And this is where it, sound, this is where it gets creepy, creepier, is I leave my room, I walk down the hall, and I stand outside the room, and I listen, and I hear him grunting, and I hear her go, oh, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> so I go back to my room, and I call. I call the room. No. And I'm just watching him, waiting, waiting. And he didn't pick up, but if he did, I would have been like, Kevin. Fucking look out the window, buddy. I'm jerking off. <laughs> but what's better than some free nudity? Like, you didn't earn it. You didn't have to Voyeur. take anyone out to dinner. You didn't have to go to a strip club. You just you just see some nudity in a window. 
Well, it's way more exciting for sure. Accidental nudity is way yeah. more exciting. Yeah. The voyeur, there's a voyeur instinct that all of us have for whatever reason. And I don't know why. You know, that's why I like like those Jennifer Lawrence leak sex pics. Yeah, like, oh. I love it. Like you know, she sent that to her boyfriend. Like, oh my god, yeah. it's her like spreading her cheeks and like Jennifer Lawrence showing her pussy and her asshole. Like, oh! And taking a thick one to the face. Did you oh! see that one? Yes. Yes. Oh! Yes. <laughs> thick one. <laughs> but I don't know. Like even looking down a, gr- a woman's shirt. Yeah. My Whoa. mother-in-law was doing the dishes at our house. She's oh, Jesus. wearing a nightgown, bent over, Don't looked down story. her shirt. Ugh. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking gross. Oh, how old was she at the time? Seventy-four. Oh! You know what? They were full. They were full, mm. and they weren't wrinkled. Mm. And I thought this death. is what my this is what my wife's tits are going to look like in twenty five years, unless she gets on that collagen. Oh man, that's going to be great for everybody. Dun, 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 dun. It's going to be weird, man. Going to see eighty year old hot ladies. Yeah, they're going to smell like eighty year olds though. Once they open their mouth, <laughs> smell tombs. <laughs> Bats come flying out of their pussy. <laughs> Fucking flies. You're like, did shit. I just walk into a Bikram yoga studio? Yeah, it'd be nice if, like, you had an expiration date, you work up to that date, and everything worked awesome up until that date, and then into the great abyss. I think there should be an option. I think that you should have total coverage for your health. You know, talk about universal health care. Fucking blue. Blue uh, cross to the nth degree. Everything you need. One dollar copay. Whatever. But then when you turn seventy three, they just come. You're sleeping. One bullet to the back of the head. <laughs> or you get a minimal policy. A lot of copay. Big deductible. But you get it for the rest of your life as long as you live. Yeah, but the shooting you in the head part. Why do they have to shoot you in the head at seventy three? Because you you'll be a drain on the system after. Can you that. just pay more money? No, because that money has to go back into the system. Yeah, but you're earning money if you're alive. You Not contribute. if you're 74. Yeah, maybe you're one of those Warren Buffett-type characters, still out there hustling. That's true. Every day I'm hustling. You know, he lives in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, same like house a, he yeah. fucking first had his kids in. <clears throat> now, how is that possible? Flies how's nobody, coach. How's nobody robbing him? Right. He flies coach? I believe so. Or maybe that was Sam Walton that flies coach. Sam Walton used to fly coach. <clears throat> My only problem with that is why have all that money then? What's he doing with it? If I if I would think there's one thing you want to pay for that costs a little extra, it's, it's business class. It makes a flight yeah. from exhausting and aggravating to relaxing. And like if you're in first class, you don't want to get off the fucking plane when you land. You're sitting there. You're watching a good movie. You got some soft leather wrapped around your dirty asshole. And you just got a little mimosa. You're talking to interesting, wealthy people. Sometimes. Sometimes you're getting your ear chewed off by a moron. Yeah, yeah that's true. That can happen, too. That should be part of first class. It's just a fucking little, a like divider. a urinal divider comes up in between you and that guy. As soon as someone <laughs> starts talking, you just look at him. <laughs> and your eyes slowly. Right. Yeah, there's some people that you sit next to, it's great, but you can't choose. Oh, I was on the fucking plane the other day, headed back from Vegas, and there was a drunk guy that was doing 
air quotes business on the phone oh. and he was so loud tony yeah. and i were like what the fuck and he was like well basically the bottom line is if we get this account we are set yeah. and he's drunk and he's being real i think maybe he was like doing it to let everyone know that he's doing of course business, he was because he was definitely hammered yeah the plane takes off and then within five minutes of the flight being in the air he's out cold yeah. snoring right. just drunk off his ass probably stayed up all night got yeah. on a flight Pig. Alcohol. He had some runaway grinding on his cock to a Van Halen Ooh. song about three hours earlier. That's the good part. Panama. Panama. Just rocked out to some Van Halen driving over here. They came on the uh, Sirius XM. And Eddie Van Halen is one of the greatest guitar players ever. Of all time. Unquestionably. He's a bad motherfucker. Yeah. But Valerie Bertinelli. Mally, in Mary, her prime, yeah, that wrecked that band though. Did she? Was she? Did she oh, Yoko yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know in that. A lot of ways, yeah. That's why David Lee Roth. That's a big part of why David Lee Roth jettisoned during the prime days. Yeah. And then they turned into Sam Hagar. <sighs> didn't enjoy one of those songs. It was a different band. It yeah. was weird. It's because like I, it was still super successful. And maybe even more successful yeah. with Sammy Hagar than it was with David Lee Roth. But man, it was not the same it's band. It's a different band entirely. It was all, it was weird. It was weird. It's not like ACDC, which just smoothly transitioned. Yeah, like you can't even tell. Right. You go listen to old ACDC and then the, the new singer ACDC, not, that's, which is old still now. Yeah. But it's all ACDC. Yep. Van Halen's like two fucking massively different bands. Right. But there's like that poppy, bullshitty stuff that became massively, massively successful. Well, it was like guys trying to be hard rockers. It was, it was like they were playing a character. That's what Sammy Hagar always seemed like to me. I can't drive! You can't drive 55? 55. Really? You can't? Even if there's a cop on the side of the road, you'd like literally have to speed past the cop? Mm, 55 is a bullshit speed limit, though. That's why they got rid of it. It's really 65. Now. But I mean, if it says 65, you can go 74. You won't get pulled over. Yeah, you, you might. Well, on a Porsche, you will. You can get pulled over. You're a, you're a uh, lightning rod in that thing. Yeah. In any kind of car, though, if you're going 10 miles an hour over, they can get you. Not a Prius. Really? No, they just They'll look you at you and they feel so bad for Poor you. bastard. <laughs> this car doesn't even make noise. I can't believe he can even go. I'm proud of him. He's it's rolling down the hill like a fucking Hot Wheels car. <laughs> Look, he's got golf clubs on the back. <laughs> how much? How many gallons to the or gas? How many miles to the gallon do you get? You want to hear the sad part? Is there's a button that you can push on your Prius that that takes all the electricity off, so that you just drive with the gas, but it makes you like way faster. And I push that every time, so I don't even really get the savings. Really? It takes away it's the like electricity? It's like a boost. Now, I, would... I don't know if it completely does, but it gives you... I'm telling you, it is a quick car if you don't if you don't have the electricity thing turned on. Because it's so fucking light and aerodynamic. Mm. It's quick. Mm. I'm telling you, I line up on the fucking... Mm. At a red light, I line up against uh, Mustang oh, yeah. GTs. And they just don't try to beat you try. because you're a Prius. That's right. We, we, we race for pink slips. Well, it's also, it also has no gears, right? Just, it just no gears. It's yeah. just one gear. Right? Right. Fast, slow. Fast, slow. Yep. How, like, if you fill your tank up with gas, how long does it last? 
I don't drive a lot. I live on the west side. I fucking, right. You know, I drive three miles at a time. Do you still miss Venice? Still miss being in that little tight-knit community? Well, you know, I'm only a mile away. Right. But uh, I, I'm there. Yeah, I miss it a lot. It makes my quality of life is about 30% worse. Really? Not living in that neighborhood. I used to walk my dog. I'd say hi to seven people, which I know we've talked about. You don't love yeah. that. I love that. I like to yeah. be in contact with people. I like to walk into houses. Well, I'd love that knocking. if it was like you. Yeah. If, you know, on my block was Duncan, Ari, you, Callan, Joey Diaz, we'd have a fucking great time. It would That's be awesome. That's the goal. That get is a, the goal. We've got to get a cul-de-sac and all buy houses. We'd have, yeah, we'd have to all agree to live together. Yeah. You know, we'd have to all, like, find a spot that yeah. we, we all agree to. But if you could engineer that, that Share would be the a pool. Have yeah. a, have like a rec room where there's a yeah. pool table and a ping pong table. That could be done. Steam room. What you got to do is you got to buy like a giant piece of land and then develop on it. Right. And develop your own like gated community. Yep. Call it a church. Don't pay taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck all each other's wives, right? What? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. Take acid, Kool-Aid, <laughs> whatever we got to do. Do Bikram yoga every <laughs> well, morning. Well, do yoga. We'll bring Bikram in. He'll He'll be the leader. <laughs> Bring him, put him on the hill. He'll start his automotive engineering school there. <laughs> this warehouse. Yeah, our kids will all be fucking mechanics. They'll by all the time know how to nine. fix Rolls Royces. Yeah. Has anybody ever? Oh, oh, you know who's done that? There's a guy Uriah Faber, who's a former WEC champion. He's fighting for the UFC bantamweight title. Great guy. Him and his uh, a lot of his fighters. They have a house on a cul-de-sac. They call it the block. Bought uh, uh, a few houses in this area. It's one area. Because he buys and flips houses. Yeah. It's one of his uh, side side gigs. He buys houses, and I believe his dad does construction. His dad, like, refurbishes these houses and sells them. So they bought some houses all on the same block. And while he was, uh, I think, New Year's Eve, some girl broke into his house, um, shit all over the place, threw up, like some girl that he didn't even know. Like, she was hammered, and she broke into his house, and he, like, uh, I think he filmed it. And put it on YouTube or like put it on Instagram or something. You like You mean that. his security cameras <laughs> caught it? Or well, he no, he was there. Like he was there. This girl like came into his house and she was just completely smashed. He had no idea who she was. So he just pulled out his see phone could, and started videotaping see if he could it. Find that. Yeah. Like um, just as an experiment. Like let's see what she'll do. Well, I think he was like, um, "This is not your house. You have to leave." <laughs> no <laughs> shit. <laughs> She was just so fucking smashed. She didn't know where she was. He could have been Doctor yeah. Huxtable that night. Well, I think she was relatively large. Yeah. And here it is, Uriah Faber. Oh, there was other guys there. Yeah. She locked herself in his bathroom. So he's um, he's walking with his phone to the bathroom. See if you can skip through a lot of this. They, they and need I'm to guessing he's editing. got the right to show this because uh, yeah. it's his house. Oh, the cops showed up now. The it's cops are going to kick Snapchat. this girl out. These are all edited videos. Live, oh, it's all it's edited. You don't have the together. good stuff. Oh, I see. I see. Do you do Snapchat? Do you have a Snapchat? I th I'm not sure if I have it or not. I do not have a Snapchat. But people like that shit. They yeah. like the Snapchat. Is Snapchat when it goes up and then you watch it and it comes down? Yeah, it like goes away up. after a while. Why would you want it to go away, though? I'm not sure. I think you can keep it if you want. You can make it stay there and it becomes like a story or something. Right, that's the new thing. With all yeah, this shit. I know. There's too many. There's too Do many you periscope? options. Periscope? I have periscoped. I stopped periscoping. 
I did it for a while. But I'm on Brody Stevens all the time. I watch Brody. him all the time. <laughs> he periscopes everything. It's the greatest. He, he puts his iPhone on a holster and like periscopes on his way to work. Yeah. On his way to the store. Right. Just talking. Yeah. Well, Joey Diaz doing the morning smoke. Is That's the, the greatest. greatest. That's the greatest. Yeah. Joey gets up every morning and does, I think he does it at like seven o'clock in the morning, he smokes a joint and he starts talking. He gives you like motivation. Yeah. Motivational insight from Uncle Joey. Good morning, motherfuckers. <laughs> And he gets high, like ridiculously high. And he's doing it on camera. You just keep seeing him hitting it and smoking. That was one of the ones where his, uh, he uh, explained his beef with John Caparulo. He had a beef like, with John Caparulo? Oh, my God. Legendary. No and, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah, happened? It, play, it played out on Twitter where they're both going back and forth with each other. Yeah? And, yeah, and then it played out at the comedy store where Joey apparently and him got into some sort of an altercation recently. Physical? Well, Joey spit in his face, I think. Whoa! Yeah. Was it a joke thief thing? No, no. It, um, you would have to talk to both of them for it to be for me it to be fair yeah. for me to give you a real assessment of what happened. Okay. But essentially, um, it was is Joey's contention that John uh, was trying to control the lineups and keep certain people from performing, and really that he fucked over other comedians in doing so. John Caparillo denies this, and uh, he says that Joey's a bully and a, a, a prison yard asshole and <laughs> all that kind of shit. And so, you know, obviously, my loyalty is with Joey. Diaz. I'm on Joey's side all the way. Always. Fuck Caparillo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know what that guy did to me one time? Caparillo. Yeah. What did he do? He asked me, "Can I be on your podcast?" And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I give him a date, time. We come up with a date and a time. And then, uh, like, it's 11 o'clock, and uh, he, uh, I email him, like, uh, where are you? And he's like, uh, oh, uh, I'm on my way, but there's really thick traffic on the 405. And I look, you know, I look it up on IMAPS. This is fucking, it's all green. Everything's green. It's a pasture. There's no red lines. And so I go, all right, well, I'm here. Come whenever. And then he, you know, emails me back like 20 minutes later. I'm fucking wasting my whole day. And he's like, uh, it's not geographically optimal for me right now. And uh, but I'm free all day if you want to come to my house, come up to my house in the valley. And I was just like, delete. What? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. How odd. Hmm. I don't want to feed into a beef here. Yeah, I don't think you are, but I think you're, you know, there's something going on there. That's something weird. Yeah. Kind of controlling. Yeah. I don't know. It might, who knows? I, we could talk off air. I could speculate with you off air involving all sorts of various things right. that people might get really excited about doing. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of speculation. He's. Ne I never have a problem with him. I never. I've never had a problem with him. I don't know. No, he's a good he guy. Thinks, he thinks though that I somehow or another am involved in this. Yeah. And so his paranoia is yeah, fed into this. He thinks that Joey Diaz is my hitman. Yeah. And that somehow or another I'm plotting against him. Right. Which I don't even understand why I would do that. Like why? I don't even. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know, man. Some people they they trip themselves. Oh, absolutely, and that and the thing is about the comedy store. As much as I love it, sometimes that that shit gets it gets a little schoolyardy. 
not as much anymore, man. Now no. that Tommy's gone, yeah. I mean, this is that is also because John was friends with Tommy, hmm. and that's also part of Joey's contention is that he pulled up with Tommy to control that place. Mm. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. I go. I tell my jokes. I say hi to people like you. I yeah. hang out with my friends. I don't want to be involved. I don't you give get a there fuck. twenty minutes early. Say yeah. what's up. All that shit is just a waste of time. There's yeah. a lot of people out there that are living their lives just sort of going with the momentum of all these things that people love to do, all the gossipy things and, you know, get involved in controlling this. Or th- think about yourself. Just think about what you're doing. Don't get distracted. And I, can, I think a lot of that is a distraction. A mm. lot of the people's fixating on other people. This fucking guy, he's doing this, or that fucking guy's doing that. And man, he fucking, why? And he's not even funny. Why is he getting on before me? That is all a distraction. Yeah. And it keeps you from thinking about yourself. Right. There's a lot of people out there that spend a tremendous amount of time hating on other people and very little time working on themselves. Yeah. And it's a fucking trap. It's an easy trap to get into because it's, it's, there's no, there's no commitment to hating on someone. You don't. There's no consequences if it doesn't go well. So you put your energy into that, and you know, almost like you're like hoping they fail so that it justifies this idea that you have in your head. But you're not, you're not benefiting from and it. And it's wasting. You can waste a day. You can, you can waste stew about something, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, and there was shit that you wanted to accomplish that you didn't do because you were obsessed with. Fucking Googling yeah. the person and finding out if it's a story that people are latching on to. Like this whole thing with Joey. I'm sure it's wasted more of his time than he wanted it to. Yeah, but he put it on Periscope and it's pretty amusing. Oh, he did. Yeah. <laughs> and he's smoking pot while he's talking about it. Let me explain to you what that cunt did. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, it is. But, <laughs> Why do people love it so much, though? I don't know. I don't know. Why do I love it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't love it with everybody, though. With Joey, it's just entertaining. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I love him so much. When when he's involved in something, I'm involved whether I like it or not. Yeah. I have to be. Yeah. You know? But it's... Uh, there's a lot of wasted energy is my point, you know? And even with Joey, he's he's done with it now. He won't even talk about him now. No. Bring it up now. He goes, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't give a fuck, Joe Rogan. I murdered them in San Jose. Murdered them! <laughs> <laughs> he's just out there smashing. He's hit a whole new level recently too. Yeah, has he? Oh my god, he's got this bit. I don't want to. I don't want to give up any of the details of the bit, but he's got this bit where just like I'm, just like the the frenzy that he approaches this bit with on stage. So like, wow, he's on another level. He's like hitting new levels. Well, I, I had to follow him at the uh, in the main room of the store recently, and he went up and he. People were doubled over. They couldn't even make noise. It was it was just cruel what he did to this audience. <laughs> and then you know in the in the comedy store, each act brings up the next act. So he introduces me, and then I come up and he shakes my hand and he whispers in my ear, "Sorry, dude." <laughs> <laughs> he knew I couldn't oh. follow it right oh. out of the gate. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a monster. Yeah. He murdered in Vegas. Yeah. I was with him in Vegas two weeks ago. A car theater, 2,000 people. He's fucking destroyed. Yeah. Destroyed. That's he's a good. monster. He's just, uh, he's hit this level right now. 
where he's just so free and loose, and he's concentrating on stand-up so much. He's really into it, you know? And he's reaping the rewards. Like, finally, people are recognizing, like, he sells out everywhere now, like, in advance. So finally, people are recognizing how talented he is and, and how dedicated he is. I mean, it's really just one of those examples of focus and attention equaling results. Mm-hmm. Like, focusing on something, really honing it, and really putting your focus and your attention on something, and then seeing the results of it. He's just really passionate right now about stand-up. He's always been, but right now because he's getting so much love and he's just he's just constantly selling out everywhere, crushing it. So he's like really like feeling it. He's yeah, just I think Bill Burr it. went through the same thing. Mm. He just put massive focus on you know he just one of those guys you you, you know he would put writing and performing ahead of other things. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey man, you want to do a podcast? I can't for the next two months. I'm just focusing on stand up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Yeah, well, that's the way to do it, yeah. right? I mean, you can always focus more, right? And the, I think for me, the balance has always been focusing so much that I lose some passion for it. You know, like like sometimes I take a couple of days off and I come back hot and yeah. rejuvenated. Like last night was really fucking fun. Uh, we did this benefit. Brian Callen had a benefit last night. We did it in the main room. And so last night was Tuesday, so I didn't work Sunday or Monday. So taking Sunday or Monday off, I came in Tuesday, like, fired up. Like, yeah. it's nice. You, you get, like, so I think there's this balance of, like, letting it go, living life, and then concentrating again and coming yeah. back at it. Right. Like, if you grind, it's like grinding too much is not good either because then you lose a little bit of focus. There's, like, this weird balance yeah. that you have to achieve. There's also a nice balance between the road and in town. Like, if mm-hmm. I go on the road, I just did three weeks in a row on the road. I came back. I took off, like, you know, four four days or something. And then when I went out, it was like when you'd been running with weights and all of a sudden you're like doing a 10, whatever, 15-minute spot at the comedy store in front mm-hmm. of a hot crowd. And it was like just fucking effortless. It was like you were floating above the room going like, yeah, now I'll do, I'll, I'll throw this in. I'll throw it like just toying with them, having yeah. such a blast. Well, you know, it's also those long sets that you do on the road. That's what brings everything together. Yeah. When you're doing like a headlining set and you're doing an hour and 10 and just some, just sort of sorting it all out and mm. putting it all together and you get loose and you just do it like Friday night two shows, Saturday night two shows, and then it gets just so smooth. Like, comedy is in a lot of ways like exercise. Yeah. You know, you Definitely. get in shape. You get in shape for it. Yeah. And also like exercise, you need recovery. Right. When we were young, we didn't recover. I mean, I used to work six, seven nights a week, fucking every week, year round. Yeah. And you kind of need that yeah. when you're starting out. Well, we were so... We were like colts right out of their, out of the horse's pussy. We just didn't yeah. know how to walk. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we just needed to get on stage to get our stage legs. Yeah, right. You know? It's, uh, I don't know. It's it's a strange thing, comedy, because you really think with after all these years that you would have it down. But you don't really. No. You always, you're always getting better. You always, you always have to stay on top of it. Never, uh... I wonder if music is like that. I wonder if, I guess it must be, because musicians are notorious for their practice. Yeah. You know, like, that's one thing that I think I kind of envy about musicians. Like, they have to be disciplined. They have to practice. Mm -hmm. They can't practice in front of a crowd. Like, they can't go up in front of a crowd with a half-assed song and hope it comes together because the crowd's hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't talk to the crowd halfway through because you didn't finish writing the book. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh... 
someone said something that, like about, that, about Ian Edwards, like uh, you know the Ian, like oh man, he's fucking writing. He's over there. He's always writing. He's always putting stuff together. Like yeah, well, shouldn't we all be doing that, man? Yeah. Like yeah, I guess so. He was like yeah, I guess so. But I like to write on stage. Well yeah, because it's fucking easier that yeah, way. Right. You go on stage with a half-ass premise, and you're forced to kind of put it together. Yeah. It's just fear that keeps you from sitting down and doing it. I think people feel like maybe they're not that strong of a writer and they they sit down and they're almost afraid that it won't come together. But then when you have the energy of being on stage, then, you know, you can you can use that. But um, it's just it's slower, you know, writing off stage. It takes longer because you're just not your energy's not as high, mm-hmm. but you can lay down the idea, at least in the structure. And then maybe it'll get funnier on stage. But you can't start from scratch up there. Some people can. I mean, some people do. But I think everybody would benefit from both. Right. I think everybody would benefit from ad-libbing on stage, and everybody would benefit from writing more. And yeah. That's what I try to tell young comics. I'm like, man, you force yourself to write. Even if you only write an hour a day, just sit down for an hour a day. And just force yourself to go over some ideas, and th- they will blossom, man. Yeah. They will fucking find a way to make it out to that stage. And they may not right away. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like... I haven't done this in a while, but I bought a notebook about a month ago, and I just started writing longhand again. You know, read the paper for a little while or just muse, listen to sets that I did on stage, and maybe I started a little tangent and, you know, write that up. And I just fucking fill in this notebook. And it's not all making it right into my act, but some of it is. Some of it goes into the podcast. It's kind of like just a running journal Mm -hmm. that I can draw from. But I've had bits that I've started a year before and pounded it believed in it kept trying it trying to hit my head against well it doesn't work and then you pick it up again six months ago and it just click it's like you found it mm-hmm. but it has to sit latent in your brain sometimes for it to work yeah sometimes a thing can happen in life and that thing in life opens up a door like and you go oh i could approach it this way yeah. or oh i'm looking at it the wrong way or oh of course it's this you know and I think that's the same way with any kind of creative writing. Anything, whether you're writing stories, you're writing a blog, like sometimes you just have to go outside of it. You write some stuff down, then you go outside of it, live your life, and then reapproach it. Yeah. And then, like, every day, my perspective shifts at least a little bit. You know, you have like core values and things you believe in and things you, you, you agree with and don't agree with. But every day, like, some things will happen in life that make you look at things a little bit of a different way. You know, especially when it comes to current events and politics and the world. And mm. like every day, like, people go, oh man, you were so wishy washy with some of your ideas. Well, well yeah, they're fucking flexible. They're moving around a lot. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to things that are happening in the world. Right. And I think sometimes you just got to, like, like let those things, ha- like, let let your thoughts sort of roll around without trying to constantly define them, and then reapproach the idea. Then come back to the to the uh, to the original notebook or the original piece that you wrote, mm. and look at it again, maybe a week later, and go, well, now that I've experienced a couple things in life this week and looked at the world a little bit, like one of the things that Tom Segura and Christina Pozitsky do, we had a conversation, uh, Christina and I, the other day. Th- she said that they used to do their podcast twice a week. And they decided to go back to doing it once a week. And I was like, how come? And she goes, I think it's good to live, to live your life and then have some shit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like if you do too many of them, then sometimes you, you're you just talking shit and doesn't doesn't necessarily mean anything. Well, especially because for them it's about their relationship and what's happened in it. Yeah. So, you know, they're not bringing in a new guest who can bring new ideas. They're, yeah. they're talking about their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they occasionally have guests, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah. 
that's the way to avoid it is to have guests. Yeah, you know? right. Like people always say, like, how do you talk to people for three hours, five days a week? Well, they're fucking interesting people. Yeah, you know, it's not hard. You just have you just have cool conversations. Yeah, right. You know, but if you don't, if you just do it yourself, like Bill Burr is the most amazing one. Yeah, because Bill doesn't even have a fucking guest. Yeah, and he got he's got a couple ideas of some shit he wants to talk about, some things that happened, but he just rambles. Yeah. By himself. Yeah, I started doing a thing. I've done about five of them now called the Sunday Papers, where I just I get the Sunday paper and I read it and I just make some notes and then I just hit hit record and I go for Ooh, an hour about the good. Sunday paper. I'm going to do one. I'm going to be on vacation this week, um, after this weekend. And uh, when I go on vacation from doing the podcast, I'm going to put up like a little Instagram question mark. And I'm going to say, just ask me some questions. Throw some questions. And I'm going to just answer some of the questions on a, like just oh, bring an great. iPhone. You're going to be on vacation with the family? Yes, my friend. Nice. Relax. Yeah, there you go. You need more of that, right? I know. You got more relax in this life. More relax. Yeah, we're going to Colorado. What are you doing? Next week. Ski. I thought you were going to say get high. Going to get high. Well, I'll probably get high. I'm doing shows, (laughs) but then we're going to go ski after that. Which part? Aspen? I don't know. We just kind of uh, rented a car. We'll go get get on 70 West, maybe stop in Breckenridge or maybe go to Vail. I know Ari just went to... Uh, veil. He just broke his ankle. Broke his ankle out there. Yeah. yeah. Fuck skiing. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not a skier? I, I landed pretty hard last time I went. Yeah. A, a couple months ago. <clears throat> not even. I guess a month ago. A month ago, wiped. Shh, boom. And that was it? You just said, I'm done? And I was just like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I do things that are more fun. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of things that are really fun. So skiing is like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't yeah, get hurt. Yeah, no, Whoops, that's here true. here we go. Boom. That's true. It's almost like the entire the <clears throat> entire adventure is based on not breaking something. It's yeah. like the tension between, yeah, the scenery is nice and all that, but really you're thinking, don't get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. And it's a fun time for me to be with my family. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. The kids love skiing. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. I don't mind doing it, but. Just got to slow down. Were you going fast? I wasn't even going that fast. I go a little bit faster than I should, probably. Would you catch an edge? I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened. Yeah. But I remember as I was falling, going, uh-oh, this one might be a bad one. Yeah. I'm good at rolling, though. Yeah. I'm good at, like, I know how to not fall too bad, so I was fine, but I was like, ooh, that was a hard hit. Yeah. I, I walked out of it, no problem, put my ski back on, skied down the mountain. Yeah. I was fine. But I was like, people get fucked up doing this. Oh sometimes. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, saw a guy get carried away too. Yeah, you're supposed to wear a helmet. I wear a helmet. Oh, you do? Yes. No shit. Yeah. Always. Wow. You don't? No. Really? Maybe I will. Wear a helmet, please. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My friend got knocked the fuck out last oh, year shit. snowboarding, and he was jacked for a while. Wow. Yeah, he just fucking whoopsied, landed completely on his head. His feet went up in the air, and he just. Boom! Wow. Head first, all head. Back or front? Somewhere. He yeah. doesn't know. He doesn't wow. know. He went out. Shit. Yeah, just thump. Yeah. And by the way, that thump could be thump, snap. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? Now you're moving around with a straw. You have a straw in your mouth. And that's how you navigate through life. Yeah. <clears throat> all because you were into like a thrill. Well, what about the skiing and trees going between the trees where it's grooves? Oh, you're going between fuck. trees, and where your skis go are like deep grooves <clears throat> that your ski has to go directly into. And if you catch an edge, you flip over like a fucking tree. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get that people like it. But like um, my friend Aubrey is good friends with Bodie Miller. He's that uh, Olympic guy, 
ski guy just mangled his fucking leg. Yeah. He just wiped out and crashed into something and just fucked his leg up. They go 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But I make mean, even guys who are that good still wipe out and fuck themselves up. Oh, yeah. It just seems like there's a lot of fun shit that I like to do that, like, that's one of the reasons why I didn't start skiing until late in life, because I did jujitsu and all these other things that already are dangerous for your body. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I should probably like limit the amount of dangerous shit. Like yeah. that's why I wouldn't ride a motorcycle. I'm like, eh, I should probably back off of that. Yeah. I started playing ice hockey again Ooh. a few weeks ago. Got the comedians got a little league going. Bill's supposed to be good, right? Yeah, he Is plays in it. And Steve Byrne and it's Ian Bag. It's great exercise. You know what? It's not dangerous because we don't hit each other. Right. And you don't really ever fuck up a knee or an ankle in hockey because it's ice. You slide. You know, it doesn't stick and turn. Right. You just kind of slide. And so Unless you trip and fall into a wall, you're pretty safe. Well, Bobby Orr had mangled knees, man. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Orr used to uh, come to the gym that I worked at. When I was a kid, I worked at the Boston Athletic Center. Yeah. Which is like a Boston Athletic Club, I guess it was. And that was, um, I was uh, 18, I guess, 18, 19, something like that. And uh, Bobby Orr was this legend, you know, this hockey legend. He was older by then, you know, long retired. But he would uh, come into the gym, and he couldn't even fucking walk. And we would have to help him climb onto the Versa Climber. You know the Versa Climber, that thing? Yeah. It's like a pole, and you go up and down and yeah. up and down with it. You'd have to help him pick his legs up, because his knees don't bend. Oh, shit. They don't, they don't completely lock out, and yeah. they don't completely bend. Oh, It's my like God. this. So, so it's he's like, like the one thing he can do in the gym? Yeah, he goes like from this, like I'm, I'm like from completely straight, he's like five degrees like bent he's always bent and then it only goes to like maybe 15 degrees wow yeah it's like this tiny amount of bend that he has in his yeah. legs because he's had just massive surgeries all through his knees wow it, you watch him walk there's his knee damn and look at all the cuts on his knees and by the way that is uh that's back in the olden days and look at the different operations 73 72 71 right Oh, 69, 1970. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know how bad the equipment was back then? The skates were like uh, saws. The skates were bad, and the surgeries were terrible. Yeah. They didn't know how to fix you. Right. They would fix you, and you just go right. Look at Go up up above that, and you can see his knee. Look at that. Yeah, look at that fucking thing. Jesus Christ. Damn, that is brutal. <clears throat> it was Somebody awful. Else's knee, but... Oh, is it someone else's knee? Oh. His... Uh, just watching him walk, and he would play racquetball, and I'd watch him play racquetball, and he would just fall down. Yeah. He would just, like, try to, like, move forward, and he'd just fall. Just couldn't move. Yeah. I mean, he was basically left with pegs that barely bent. Yeah. And that's how he got around. It's like left, right peg, right peg, left peg. Yeah. A lot of hockey players, though, they, they play golf. You know, they retire, and they play a lot of golf. That's like uh, the, the the big sports in Canada are golf and hockey. It's the same swing. Slap shot and a golf swing are pretty similar. Oh, that's Happy Madison, right? Right. That's, that's why. <laughs> that's right. See? There's real, there's real science behind it. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I think that uh, football players are the worst. Those guys, you see any football player after they finish playing and they're fucking stumbling mangled. around. Yeah. yeah, they're mangled. Some of them not. You know, it's interesting how some of them are really lucid. They get through it. Like Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin is super lucid. Got no problems. I mean, maybe he's you know banged up a little bit, but he can walk around. Oh yeah, yeah, he's fine. He looks great. Mm. He looks great. Talks great. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, man. Very fucking smart dude. Yeah, 
very smart guy. Big UFC fan. I talk to him all the time. I see him at the matches. He's oh, no shit. Fantastic guy. Wow. Yeah. Does he do sports casting? Um, I'm sure he I think he, he does. Must. He yeah. must. Does he? Yeah. Jamie's knows. On Sunday morning stuff. Yeah. yeah. With that, uh, with the, the guy, uh, Michael Strahan. The guy from that show? Yeah. He's so annoying. Why is he annoying? He's just trying so hard to be likable. I just don't buy it. It just feels hollow. <laughs> and meanwhile, I love that Kelly Lee. I could watch her all fucking day. Oh, that's why. You don't like him. Uh, you think he's sending, sending the dick her way. Well, I don't like the black-white relationships in general. Does it disturb you? They just feel wrong. <laughs> I mean, I was born in 66 when things were uh, normal. When things were right <laughs> back in the olden days before the colors mixed. <laughs> When a man could get water from a drinking fountain and not worry about it. Do you think he's giving her the dick? I don't, but I... And it's not sexual with her. It is sexual. But it's also, yeah, I are. think that she <clears throat> is you don't think they look really great fucking... No, I don't. I'd look at that are fake being smile. Serious? I really don't like him. <laughs> you know? Do you really have a problem with black-white relationships? Not really, right? No. No. No, but I have a problem with... Uh, his phoniness and just that she deserves better. <laughs> she deserves Regis. Regis was the best. Regis and her. That's part of my problem is Regis withdrawal. Well, Regis is doing other shit now. Like he didn't stop working. It's he weird. had the life though, man. You know what he used to do to prep for that show? What? Get picked up by a limo, get handed the paper, read it on the way to the studio, and fucking go on the air. That's all he did. Mm. Just off the top of his head. Well, he was so relaxed. Yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. Wonder why he stopped doing it. Maybe the the grind of doing it every week. He did it for a lot of years. Yeah, but he still has a show. He has a Does show he? that he's yeah. He still has some show that I saw, and it was weird. It was on like Access TV or something, like one of the smaller networks. Yeah. So I guess he's probably just doing that for fun. Wow. You know, just to stay active or something like that. Like for, Regis Philbin's show. What is? He's. I'm sure he's got something. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but he. Um, I think he decided. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like uh, Jay Leno when he walked away. Yeah, but Jay's doing that car show. No, that's what I mean. And then he wanted to do a yeah. little something to stay busy. Well, he did the car show while he was doing the Tonight Show. Oh, did he? Yeah, but the car show is so much more him. He's so much better on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He's so he's passionate it, about it. Right? Well, he's he's a fucking legitimate car aficionado and nut. He's a nut. He mm -hmm. fucking loves cars. So when you're with him and you, you're talking to him about cars... Like he, his eyes light up. He gets excited. Like, and it's he's fun. I did a show. Did you? Yeah, we we uh, drove my sixty-five oh, I saw Corvette. It. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's you know he's great. Yeah, he's great. I mean, if the the public knew him as only that, and you know, and he he'll admit it. It's like that was part of the problem with doing that show. It's like. I had to talk to people, but I didn't give a fuck about yeah. your sitcom or yeah. your, your fucking stupid album that comes out. Like, <laughs> he didn't care. But if he's got you on his car show, it's because he's legitimately interested in your car. That's yeah. it. That's the only reason why he does it. He's got all the money in the world. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck. He's only doing it for his own enjoyment. Yeah, I can remember seeing Letterman with like a country music star on, and you knew that he just wanted to say, what the fuck? Yeah. Especially I, like pop country. Yeah. Some whack dude with some designer fucking cowboy hat on and yeah. boots that he's never worn before. And they're all shiny and fake. And his face doesn't change. Fake Same. rips in his jeans. Right. When you see a country guy with fake rips in his jeans, uh, oh, how dare you? <laughs> 
You're not a working man. How'd you get those rips? You yeah. bought them. Yeah. You bought those rips, you fuck. Did your assistant go out and get ripped? Or we, or Ugh. you get the uh, the hipsters that go out and they buy work boots used that already are like, Ugh. have work done. Somebody else somebody worked. in them. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta wear your own work boots, you fuck. Yeah. Break them in. Fuck yeah. Live your life. I got a pair of Timberlands I got about 15, 20 years ago. Really? Yeah, they feel nice. God Timberlands damn. are the greatest. They last. They're so good. They, they were big in the hip-hop community. Oh, what, yeah. What is that? How'd that happen? I don't know, but I know that um, when when Dom, was it Dom Perignon? What, one of the brands that got kind of co-opted by Cristal? hip-hop. Was it Cristal? Yeah, it was Cristal. Yeah. And they were very upset that hip-hop had taken over yeah. because here they are like this elite mm-hmm. you know blue collar blue, white collar kind of a yeah but they started complaining about it and then the, the hip-hop community rejected that's them right. and their fucking sales plummeted that's right yeah they plummeted that's interesting isn't it you got to take that money where you get it yeah but you have a great champagne what do you give a fuck if rappers start buying rolls royces you're gonna be upset yeah you know come on right. bitch even if they're spilling your champagne on the floor. Sounds like racism to me. I, as long as it's not spilling it with a white person. <laughs> Let them spill it with themselves. <laughs> it's weird how certain drinks get associated with certain races. Like Crevassier is a black, black drink. drink. Right? All right, I'll name a drink. You tell me the race. Okay. Um, Vodka. Ripple. Ripple. Yeah. Uh, that's black, right? Yeah. It's a wine. Manischewitz. You know how I know that? This is how dated I am. I know Sanford you're going to say Sanford Because <laughs> <laughs> Red Fox used to yeah, drink Ripple exactly. wine. That's the only way. I don't even know what it looks like. I've never seen it. Yeah. Just no. All right. Um, <clears throat> uh, Manischewitz. Oh, Jews. All right. Um, Bailey's Irish Cream. Irish people. That was an easy one. That was the name of it. Yeah. Um, Budweiser. Uh, white people with marital problems. <laughs> <laughs> Were they caused by the Budweiser or just placated by the Budweiser? All, all of the above. <laughs> it's in the mix. <clears throat> um, champagne. Mm. Who buys champagne? Other than like New Year's Eve. New Other Year's than New Year's Eve, Eve. New Year's Eve is kind of universal, right? right. Everybody gets champagne. Um, and celebrating shit like weddings. Who the fuck buys champagne on a normal basis? French people. Really? Yeah. French okay. people drink it. That makes sense. Well, it is tasty. Yeah. But what about Americans? White assholes. What do they drink? No, if you're a white asshole, you drink champagne. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of one person. I won't say their name. Okay. Say it later. I'll say it later. Um, <laughs> although, you know, when I used to work as a banquet waiter at the Marriott in Boston, we used to do these banquets, and sometimes they'd come in and they'd they'd order um, uh, Dom Perignon. And I'll tell you what, man, you get it's the best high. If bad champagne gives you a headache, it's nasty, it's sugary, which is usually sparkling wine. It's not champagne. Actual to call it champagne, it has to be from this certain region of France. It's the only place you can get it to put champagne on the label. Oh, that's right. And yeah. Dom Perignon is the best, and I'm telling you, man, that, that shit, it makes you feel so good. It tastes so good. No hangover. Really? No yeah. hangover? No hang. Well, not How's like, that possible? Not, not like champagne hangover, which is the worst hangover you can get. Is there really a difference in hangovers? Oh, yeah. What's the difference? Sugar. Sugar content. Oh, sugar content. Hangovers Fuck. are all about sugar. Fucking sugar. Right. Well, as it explained to me by Carl Hart, Dr. Carl Hart, who was an addiction specialist, he said what hangovers really are 
is your body got temporarily addicted to the alcohol. <clears throat> the feeling that you have, the headache and all that, a lot of it is dehydration, but a lot of it is also the compensatory mechanisms that your body puts in place to process the alcohol. Your body literally shifts its sort of scheduling, shifts its uh, organizing of, of chemicals and all the, the, the shit that's in your brain. And then once the alcohol is not there anymore, it's not processing alcohol anymore. Yeah. And then it, you have this like, Ooh, yeah. and that's the compensatory mechanisms flooding their way through your system. That's also why people say hair of the dog that bit you. Like when you have a hangover and you have like a Bloody Mary in the morning, it helps you a little bit. Yeah. It soothes you over that hump. Why, well, because it's, it's, it's poisonous. Alcohol is poisonous yes. to your system. Yes, yes. It's, so it's counterintuitive that like more alcohol would help you feel better. Yeah. But the way Carl Hart explains it is that it's your body. Your body recognizes, okay, there's this shit I have to process. Let's deal with that. So it compensates for that shit. And then that shit's not there anymore. Yeah. And it's like, what's going on? Where's all the, what are we doing? We, we set up to deal with alcohol. Now yeah. we don't have to deal with it anymore. I had him on a couple of times and he's a fascinating, fascinating guy. Very, very smart guy and knows so much about it, about addictions and about um, about uh, various drugs and the reactions to the body and all the myths that people have. It's amazing how many myths that people have about like uh, how hard things are to kick and you know, what is instantly yeah. addictive. Yeah. So that's so what does he say? Because I hear cigarettes are the most addictive. Not not cigarettes. Um, yeah, is it cigarettes are more addictive than heroin? Cigarettes are super, super addictive. Yeah. Super addictive. Well, they, they have to, did you ever see that movie with um, um, Russell Crowe, Inside Man? Yes. We're about the cigarette industry, right. about a, 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 a scientist that's working with the cigarettes uh, to try to make them more addictive, and then right. he goes out with it, which is apparently a real story. But that's, oh, yeah, they were sued and they lost <clears throat> about yeah. it. They, you know, that's what it is. I mean, they've engineered them yeah. to be addictive. Right. But um, pot, though, is not, they say, not physically addictive at all. No, not physically addictive. But it can be emotionally addictive. It, anything can, you know. Like a girl could be emotionally addictive. Mm. Should we outlaw girls? You know, like, it's like a jerking off can be emotionally and psychologically addictive. A lot of things can be psychological. Foods can be psychologically and mm. physically addictive. Work. But one thing that they say about pot is in rare individuals, it can be physically addictive. But <clears throat> how much so? Is it as physically addictive as sugar? Because sugar is one of the most addictive things that we, we consume. Yeah. You know, I took uh, just a few days off of sugar and I had fucking pounding headaches. Really? Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm completely sugar free now. I don't eat anything with added sugar. I don't eat any, no, no processed sugar, no nothing on this wacky diet that I'm on. But um, one of the things that I found within the first few days was this overwhelming desire to eat it. Yeah. Like I wanted candy, I wanted soda, I wanted something. Like within the first couple of days, like my body was, I get headaches and I would think about, like I could see a bag of those uh, chili mangoes that I have back there that are covered in sugar, like yeah. insane amounts of sugar. And I just want them. Yeah. Just want, and it's it's a sugar craving. It's your Were body. You a, did you eat a ton of sugar before not, you quit? Not a ton, but more than I should have. Yeah. And it was all in the guise of healthy things. Mm. Like uh, for instance, I was working out with my trainer uh, today and uh, he had uh, um, one of those protein bars, and uh, he goes, uh, I said, hey, uh, you, you forgot your candy bar. He goes, it's a protein bar. <laughs> I go, it's a protein bar. I go, how much sugar is in that thing? He goes, not that much. I go, how much do you think? He goes, nine grams. I go, nine grams? I go, I bet it's, I bet it's about 19 grams. He's like, no, 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 no. And he looked at it. He goes, 10 grams. And I go, really? 
I go, how many servings? And he goes, oh, yeah. Two? Oh, no shit. I go, those motherfuckers. No I'm telling you. Shit. Dude, it was this big. It was and like, it wasn't a chocolatey one. It was, to- it was it had chocolate on the outside. Oh, it was, yeah. But it was four inches. Yeah. It was this tiny little right. thing. And they were they were calling it two servings. Yeah. Oh, those that's fuckers. Great. Motherfucker. Those fuckers. It's <laughs> only 10 grams of sugar. Yeah. And then you look up and it's two servings. Wow. Oh, the cunts. Yeah, my kids eat granola. My wife buys granola bars for the kids, and they've got chocolate. And I'm like, honey, these are these are candy bars. Yes, these are not gran- granola bar. Is like you know Nature Valley oat. You know, it's mm-hmm. got a lot of sugar in it, but there's no fucking chocolate at least. Right. But even those, if you look at the sugar content, they're like 10, 11 grams yeah. of sugar. You're only supposed to eat 25 grams of sugar in a fucking day. Yeah. It's stunning how much sugar is in everything. Yeah. There's a great documentary called That Sugar Movie. And it just details how, how all this happened and how many things have sugar in them and added sugar and how bad it is for your body. It's fucking unbelievable. It's toxic. And how much worse corn syrup is than sugar. Yeah. Yep. I just did a, uh, a corporate event in Fargo, North Dakota for the beet sugar farmers of America. And it was all these farmers, mostly like family-owned little farms around Minnesota and North Dakota. And they came in. And I just, I walked down and I walked on stage and I go, fuck corn syrup. And the place went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, corn syrup just goes right to your ass. And it's all because they were over farming corn. Mm-hmm. It's cheap to make and it's easy. And the government was helping pay for it. And they went, well, we're not going to stop. What do we do with it? Well, we'll make fucking sugar out Did of it. Did you see King Corn? No. <sighs> Great documentary. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Amazing. It starts off with these guys. They have this project. They're gonna grow corn. They're gonna like get an acre of land and plow it themselves and grow corn. And they start doing all these tests and find out that their body is like some insane amount of the carbon fibers in their body come from corn. And they're like, what the fuck? So they get you know they get their their you know blood work done, all this stuff, and they find this out. And then they start going and examining all the different food. It's in the grocery store, and how much of it contains corn, corn proteins, corn syrup, corn byproducts. And then they go deep, deep down to the rabbit hole, the subsidized corn industry, and how how it all happened, how yeah. it all got started. And you leave at the end of that movie like, what in the fuck? Like. We've been co-opted in so many different ways in this country by special interest groups and by people that have figured out how to generate and extract massive amounts of money from particular sectors. That are not good for us. Yeah, like this part of agriculture, corn. Ethanol. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Try to figure out how to put it in your gas tank. Exactly. Let's do that, you fucks. Not good for your engine. Ethanol's not good for your engine? Ethanol's not good for your engine. But alcohol is. Like, if they could figure right. out how to do alcohol engines. Right. Like, that, that Rockefeller thing. Yeah. What's wrong with ethanol? What's it do to your engine? I heard it causes some kind of backup over time. It's that no might good. be some jack bullshit that the fucking oil industry yeah, tried right, to sell you. Yeah, right, You never Did know, you, right? Do you know John John D. Rockefeller's grand, great, great-grandson now is uh, heavily into uh, developing 3D, 3D printer meat steaks that come out of a 3D printer? Whoa. And it'll be using all, like, soy-type ingredients. It'd be all, like, you know— in the printer doesn't rot like dry ingredients and you will be able to they can do it now they can they can make steak chips through a 3d printer they're edible Jesus and they Christ. say it's just a matter of time until they can make actual steaks jesus i wonder how good that is for you well it'd be probably better <clears throat> than some kinds of meats but but they say it's good for third world countries because they'll be able to, first of all, you won't have to have all that methane from all the downsides of having cattle. Right. You can get rid of that. And then also you can set these things up in third world country and feed people, fucking poor people. Imagine them for steak, what you get them to do. 
<laughs> they churn out iPhones like a motherfucker. Right. Hungry? Order steak from the lab. Rockefeller Air Investment Firm taking Wait, scroll down. There's a shit. picture of a steak <clears throat> coming out of a printer. It's hilarious. <clears throat> oh, no, there's not. Wrong article. These guys, do they just, the Rockefeller heirs, do they just get cash? How does that work? Do they just get money and they just start their own startup? What is it? What do you think that feels like? If you grow up like stupid rich where you never have to worry about the future and you're like, uh, maybe I'll make a startup. That's what it should be. That's the correct use of that money. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to get rid of the, uh, death tax or it's called really what it is, the estate tax. At least these people like, you know, the Kennedys are, are doing stuff and the Rockefellers are doing stuff where they're, you know, they're saying, all right, without economic pressure, let me explore and do something a little on the on the fringes that might mm. work. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, non-fossil energy or whatever. And uh, that, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice if you see someone who's given this unusual roll of the dice, some wonderful hand of cards. Nice they, you know, use it in a totally egalitarian way in some some beautiful way where they just decide to, to donate it or figure out a way to help or put money into something that's going to benefit people. Right. Or Start a foundation that's just, you know, trying to create peace, which sounds so erudite and unattainable, mm-hmm. but to go like, no, I'm going to work on peace. Just the concept of peace. It's just rare. Yeah. It's rare that someone just looks at it and says, well, hey, I have this opportunity to do something really beneficial for the human race. Yeah. Let's take this $100 million that I was born with and put it to use. Yeah, look at what Robert Kennedy's done for the environment. I mean, he, he's responsible for getting all the PCBs out of the Hudson River and uh, working on making safer uh, nuclear power. What do they do to get PCBs out of the river? What I mean, how the fuck do they clean the river? They got a dredge. They got to go in there and fucking Does clean it, it out. Which I mean, some people argue is bad because it stirs it up, and it, it, what is in, you know, in layers embedded in the in the uh, uh, bed of the river. But they say, well, if a if a hurricane or tornado or whatever comes, it's gonna it's gonna bring it up in a much more destructive way. So it's better to bring it up. So they bring it up, and what are they doing when they bring it up? They're they're cleaning it somehow. I guess they you know filter it, dump it somewhere. Huh. But then he also just. Uh, closed up there was a there was the gm plant there was a bunch of plants on the hudson river that were dumping raw sewage in and he stopped all of those how crazy and is now that? the hudson river you can swim in it what i grew up on the hudson river we used to swim in it and we were told not to we were fine but now they say <laughs> but now they literally have like little beaches set up on the hudson river upstate. what yeah even in the city you can take a fucking kayak out on the west side and you can swim in it you can swim in it that sounds weird what Fuck if it gets yeah. in your mouth then you die. <laughs> you got to keep your mouth closed. Keep your mouth closed, stupid. <laughs> you know they used to, bars used to pull lobsters out of the river? That used to be bar food. Yeah? It was like, it was thought to be a poor man's meal. Well, in Lobster. Ireland it was, yeah. Even in America. Yeah. In, in the old, early days of New York City, they used to just set out lobster traps, and when someone would order a lobster, they would just go pull a trap out and grab one of the lobsters and cook it. No shit. And it was thought to be a poor food. Poor and, food. During the famine in Ireland, they were exporting <clears throat> lobster because they wouldn't eat it. They thought it was like a rat. Oh my god! Yeah, fucking stupid Irish <laughs> eating so potatoes. Stupid eating fucking potatoes and sending lobster. Well, we don't have any. Well, we don't have any butter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. They didn't know about butter. Yeah. Once you know about butter and lobster, if someone puts hold on before you ship those out, just try this. Yeah. 
You fucking idiots. Put this bib on. You got to have the bib. I saw on um, Instagram this guy cooked a coyote. He cooked a coyote and barbecued it, barbecued it and had barbecue sauce and brought it to work, pulled coyote. And apparently he said it was delicious and people were, were loving it. Yeah? Yeah. There's a lot of shit you can eat. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't think to eat a coyote. I saw an episode of Meat Eater, Steve Rinella and Remy Warren. They shot a coyote and cooked it over an open fire and ate it. Yeah. Because they wanted to see what it tasted like. There's some good shit if you go to a, this restaurant yeah. called Typhoon in Santa Monica, and they've got, uh, you can eat scorpions and uh All ants. shit that would die in a typhoon. Right. <laughs> shit that you might find <laughs> on the side of the beach. Yeah. If you want to play out the post-apocalypse, come to Typhoon. <laughs> Tuesday night special. Jellyfish. Wow. Scorpions, huh? Yeah, scorpions. Did you try it? Oh, fuck yeah. It's what great. What it taste like? Just crunchy, you know, a little salty. Hmm. Nice. Well, they must have added salt, right? It's all good protein. Yeah. Well, they said that bug protein is really good for you. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, they think that that's going to be the future of protein for the world. Like, they have bug bars and are made out of, like, grasshoppers and things along yeah. those lines. And um, it's very healthy. Full amino acid profile. And a lot of people who are maybe vegetarian or vegan and have a real problem with eating animals do not have a problem with eating insects. They're like, well, we ain't a bug. Hmm. Yeah. So I, have, I have a friend who's vegan. He'll fucking slap the shit out of a mosquito on him and kill it and yeah, not, right. not even think. Like, right, right. Drop it onto the ground. Like, look at the um, Singapore-style scorpions. Is that the- uh, Is the re- menu at that place? That's Typhoon's menu. Taiwanese crickets, stir-fried, yeah. raw garlic, chili pepper, and Asian basil, 11 bucks. That sounds great. It's great. We should eat there one <clears> night with the wives. I'm down. Let's do it. Actually, my wife would fucking slap me if I asked her to eat a bug. Well, they got normal shit, too. They also have a pretty good sushi <laughs> bar. Um, but, yeah, I'll eat I'll eat anything. I mean, I've been down in Florida. I've eaten alligator. I was in Alligator this- is really good for alligator's you. Alligator's good, yeah. The protein, apparently, in alligator, it's supposed to be insanely high in protein and very, very low in cholesterol. Yeah? Yeah, it's one of the lower things. It's, like, right up there. Elk and moose are apparently the lowest in cholesterol. They're lower than chicken. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tough to cook them though because they have so little fat. It's you got to really nail it. It's not hard. No. Yeah, you just got to learn. It's just different. It's different than I got some in the back. You want some? Want some elk? I'll Fuck give it to yeah. you for tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Take it home. All right. Um, it's better, way better for you. Higher in protein, and there's zero bullshit in it. Yeah. No antibiotics. Oh, that's true. No hormones. No yeah. nothing. Yeah. Wild game. And like I said, lower cholesterol than a chicken breast. I was in South Africa and we ate at a game farm. <clears throat> A game park, you know, but they, they have to thin out the herd of mm-hmm. different animals. And so yeah. they there's a restaurant called Carnivore right right in the park. Whoa. And they come around with skewers and they ask you, do you want some, uh, you know, uh, giraffe? Whoa. And you go, sure, and they'll give you a couple cubes of giraffe. And It was like when you took me to that Brazilian restaurant in Vegas. Churrascaria. Yeah. yeah and they, would yeah. Came, they came over with the skewers mm-hmm. and they, it was like that. But it was like elephant fucking, Whoa. you know, different different kinds of gazelles and shit. They all had a did different you eat taste. elephant? I did eat elephant. What does that good. taste like? It was great. It was a little gamey. People, it, it had a little smell to it. People right now are screaming. Yeah. Screaming. You fucking <laughs> piece no, of shit. No, they needed to kill it. These are all animals that were they dying. They never needed to kill elephants. <laughs> they should have saved them. They should have saved Dumbo. He'll always, his family will always remember. What about Yogi? Don't eat the bear. <laughs> Don't eat Yogi Bear. Yeah. Watch Yogi eat his fucking child. On the internet. Yeah. Jesus. Bears, man. Bears are something. People have a weird connection with bears. Yeah. They get uh, they get real upset if you kill a bear. Stuff bears. 
you know, the most vicious animal out there. Oh, and that's teddy the thing bears. we take to bed. Well, it's it's almost like we're trying to make them like less dangerous. Yeah. Like you make them cuddly. Like polar bears are perhaps the most vicious mammal on earth. Mm. They are fucking monsters. This is guy Kevin Fitzgerald, he's a veterinarian. Oh yeah, I know Kevin. You know Kevin? Yeah, in Denver. Yeah. And he um we worked together once in Denver and he said that polar bears, like when you have them as babies right out of the womb, they're like Rah! And they're trying to bite you. Oh, no shit. Like, he goes, they're like the alien, you know, like the alien yeah. chest burster. He goes, that's what they're like right out of wow. the world. And I was like, wow, that is nuts. He goes, if they're hungry, they will try to fucking eat you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. Damn. It's like people have this idea of them as being this like fluffy creature. It's like most people live in cities and most people comment on animals and are animal rights activists and are animal rights advocates. These people that have these ideas about the, the beautiful nature that we live around, like they're, they don't go out in it. Yeah. When you go out in it, you realize it becomes a different thing. Yeah. And you realize like, wow, there's a strange, like constant conflict going on in this world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's very little harmony. In fact, the harmony exists with beings eating beings. That's when the harmony exists. It's all things eating things and things looking out for things that are about to eat them. I mean, there's a reason why deer perk up and they move their ears and their head side to side because something's coming. Yeah. Always. There's always something coming. And that's why they run so fast. They're trying to get away from something eating them. Yeah. They're not chasing anything. Yeah. Deer run fast because they don't want to get eaten, which is fucked. I saw a rattlesnake eat a squirrel. Oh, shit. In Yosemite last summer. Yeah. You saw it get the squirrel? No, I saw him. He already had the squirrel, but I saw him take the squirrel into inside of him, and you saw it move a little Whoa. bit down his body. And then, uh, and everybody got close to him because they figured, well, he just ate. Right. You know, so he was less, he was a little more lethargic. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, they crawled off. It was bad. I'd never seen a rattlesnake before. Never mind a fucking eating a squirrel. I was running the hills with my dogs, and I ran over what I thought was a log like a, a stick, like a large stick. And as I was in the air over it, I realized it was a rattlesnake the size of my forearm. No shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I had to keep my dogs back once I realized that it was a rattlesnake because my dogs had been bitten several times. Dogs, By rattlesnakes. Yeah. they. Uh, my dog, Frank, he got bitten twice. And my dog, Lucy, she got bitten once. And their face swells up, like it's it's bad, man. Wow, it's bad. But they'll go and attack the rattlesnake, even though they know they'll get bit. Well, they'll bark and they get near it, and they yeah. bark, 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 and then the the snake just bites them in the face. Yeah, wow. <laughs> they don't know what it is. They just know it's dangerous. Yeah, like something in their doggy brain is like, this ain't cool. Like, what the fuck is this thing? And they bark at it. Whereas, like, they don't bark at squirrels. If they see a squirrel, they chase after it and they try to kill it. Yeah. But if they see a rattlesnake, they uh, they get close. And I don't know. I wasn't there when it actually went down. I was there in the aftermath. I saw the snake. I pulled him away. I looked at him. I looked at his face. And I'm like, what's going on? I saw little holes. I'm like, God damn it. He got bit. Shit. So I had to take him in. One time I took him to the... Well, you take Would him he have in. died if you hadn't taken him in? Uh, Probably. Probably eventually. Yeah, it takes a while, but they swell up like crazy. Like the side of their face becomes like cartoonish where they got stung, especially a young rattlesnake. Young rattlesnakes are the most dangerous because they don't know any better. They empty out all their venom in one shot. Uh. The old rattlesnakes just give you a little taste. It's like, take that motherfucker. Yeah. But they keep some for themselves just in case they have to bite you again or bite right. something else an hour later. Um, but one time, Frank got bit. And I looked at him, and um, I, um, I, I killed the rattlesnake, and then I looked at him. And How'd I go, you kill it? Uh, I think I used a rake. 
forget what I killed it with. I just killed it. Um, but um, then I looked at Frank, and people were like, why would you do that? Because it's in my yard! Yeah. Sorry. See that fence? You get inside that, you're dead. <laughs> if you can kill me, you're dead. You fucked up. I kill you in my house. I kill you in my yard. Right. If, if you're, you're in my not, yard, you're, you're, you're not, come in my house. You're dead. You're yeah. dead. Coyotes, dead. If I'm practicing archery in my yard and I see a coyote, yes, I'm shooting that thing. Joe Rogan 100%. once killed a bat in my apartment for That's me. Right. That's right. I did that. Yep. <laughs> With a tennis racket. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Without even thinking about it. Then sat down and watched TV five seconds later. I ran after that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's disturbing. To, to switch. Wait, so just... then what happened with Frank? Oh, anyway. So I brought him to the vet, and the vet looks at him. This is like uh, after, like, the first time Frank and Lucy both got bit, and then this is like uh, maybe a year later. Um, I wasn't sure if he got bit, because I saw the rattlesnake, and I saw him. I killed the rattlesnake, and then I'm like, come here, buddy. Let me check your face out. And I'm looking at him, and I don't see any marks, and I'm like, well, you seem all right, but... Fuck, I don't know. Come on, let's go. And I take him in the back of the truck, and I drag, um, take him down to the vet, and the vet checks him out, and he goes, oh, I don't see any swelling. Everything seems fine. I'm like, all right. And then I take him back home, and his face starts swelling. Uh, like no a shit. delayed reaction. Yeah. I think maybe he got like a small dose. Like it wasn't a lot, but within, and that, he, he's like, it's hard to tell because his adrenaline is so fired up. You know, his tongue was out. He's like, <laughs> And he was like so excited to, you know, he liked to get to get in the car and go drive around. Yeah. He seemed normal. Uh -huh. But then an hour or so later, after I got him home, his face started swelling. So I had to bring him back in. You got to give him the antivenom. It's fucking expensive. Yeah. It's thousands of dollars. So if you're no broke. No shit. Nah, it's no joke. So if you're broke and your dog gets bit, it's a fucker, man. You got to suck it out yourself. Yeah, you can't. That's a myth, too. The only way you can suck it out is if you get it right when it's happened. Mm. Like, right, like if it bites you right there, you make a tourniquet, you got to cut yourself, too. You, gotta, you can't be shy about it. You got to cut into where that area where that fucking snake is, squeeze it, and suck it out. And you're probably not going to get it all. You're going to uh, get some of it. Uh, but have you ever seen what happens to a person when they get bit by a rattlesnake? No. Oh, my God. We are so weak. We're such, we're water bags. We're just little <laughs> bags of water. Yeah. We're just so weak. Yeah, we're allergic to everything. Yeah, this guy um, put a um, website up <clears throat> that documents him getting bit by a rattlesnake. Like after he got bit, hit, him seeking treatment, the the necro, whatever, what do you, ne necropsy, what would you call it? Ne what is it called? Necrosis? Necrosis, yeah. Necrosis when... You know, the skin's dying, you know, the tissue's dying, all around the wound. And he had to get uh, skin transplants and all this crazy shit, and it took a long time. And he documented the entire procedure. This is one guy that got Whoa. <clears throat> wow. No shit. Ton Texas country star Kevin Fowler posts gnarly rattlesnake picture. Uh, and this guy has, Damn. his hand looks like, I mean, it looks like he has a, a globe in his hand. Like his hand is swollen and black, so far, so far swollen past. Wait, scroll size. down. Look at that guy's forearm. A little further. Look at that. That's the one. Go to that website. Visit page. Holy um, this shit. is this is the very this is the very website where um, it documents this guy. That's that's actually one photo that's taken from the website. But there's a website where it shows. This is the absolute one. Damn. Where this guy got bitten and his skin all died. 
his skin died, and uh, I believe it was a young kid too. I don't think he was very young, very old when this happened. And they just put mesh over it. Well, that mesh is so that his skin uh, grows in place, and then they take the uh, graft and they try to put it over that. But it is, it's rough, man. It's um, it's very, very fucking dangerous. Yeah. You got to write rattlesnake. You can't just write. But anyway, um, no, no bueno. I was uh, on that same trip to South Africa. My my daughter was probably about three, and then we went down to the uh, – in, in Cape Town, there's the Cape of Good Hope. Is that the little thing that sticks out there? I don't know. I haven't been. And uh, you can hike through this field and get to the – it is like the southwestern tip of Europe, uh, of, of Africa. And so we go down there, and we get out of the car, and there's all these baboons, and they're fucking vicious, and they're aggressive. And the park ranger was like, um, yeah, you may want to um, keep her in your arms the whole time. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, if the snakes don't get her, the baboon's are just going to grab her. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Imagine that shit. Imagine watching your daughter get taken by a fucking baboon. And eaten. Or taken by a fucking giant boa. Chimps take them too. Up. Chimps take babies. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That would be close to... I, up there with your worst nightmare, top three worst nightmares. Yeah, baboon taking your child as as they scream. Yeah, baboon might also might even be worse than a lion. Yeah, both would be horrific. But there's something about a primate doing it. Yeah, that's baboons are so weird. It's like a monkey fucked a dog. Yeah, you know, it's some weird sort of half half monkey half dog face thing. Just Ugh. so aggressive. So aggressive. And their hands are just long arms and strong hands come right at you. Creepy fucks. Yeah. Shit. You ever seen a documentary they did with, um, they, they, they tamed dogs, like baboons actually tamed dogs, and they taught these dogs how to be like watchdogs? Yeah. Had, yeah, they, they took these dogs in and fed them. Like and they had these tribes of baboons, and they had figured out- Did they out, set this up yeah. as an experiment, or no, it just happened? No, the, dog, the baboons did it. The baboons wow. kept these dogs and fed them. And then the dogs like stayed around them, and when anything would come near, the dogs would bark, and the baboons would come out. And no shit. Yeah, yeah. they're smart as fuck, dude. Damn. They're creepy, and their world is harsh, and you yeah. know, so their actions don't seem like intelligent actions. You know, they don't have community, and it's you know, it's not like uh, they have a language and you know, rampant use of tools or anything like that. But they're very intelligent. Yeah. In some sort of a weird way, they figure they figure out problems. And then we stick them in steel cages for yeah. life. There was a, an article that I tweeted today. See if you can see that. That they believe that chimpanzees and monkeys have just started using stone tools over the last four thousand years, and that chimps are entering the age, the Stone Age. Like oh, wow. they're they are evolving. Chimps and monkeys have entered the Stone Age Look in the this. wild. Yes, in the wild, they are actually evolving, and that this could eventually lead to chimps becoming something very different than what they are now. That what we're seeing now, you know, a million years from now, chimps might not be chimps anymore. They could become Neanderthals. They could become us. We've only been us for a couple hundred thousand years. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, listening to this book right now on tape about, uh, you know, Earth, like prehistoric man from like the first socialization. Oh, uh, What's it called? Sapiens. Who wrote that? Um... Who wrote Sapiens? Yuval Noah Harari. Whoa. What and a name. It's, uh, 
what a name you've all brief history Harari. of humankind mm. and and just talking of, talking yeah it's talking about <clears throat> how you know neanderthal man and um um what was the one that, and, and and homo sapiens which is what came after neanderthal people think there was like a timeline because when you look at timelines it lists one then there's a line segment and then the next mm-hmm. one starts but there was a time when they were both on the earth at the same time and they were fighting and neanderthal was fucking way bigger and more powerful way stronger and bigger brains and big right right which is weird yeah and they don't even know why they don't know if the brain was bigger to control the body because they don't have one to study there's yeah. all the speculation of how smart they were yeah and it was a battle and the uh the sapiens won because they had Techniques for hunting, working as a group, and surrounding the other ones, and they they use tools. Uh, I guess I don't know if it was rocks or whatever it is that they use that the uh, Neanderthals were not using. I think it's they just divided them and fucked them all. Yeah, and then became they became us. Oh, did they? I don't know. That's my theory. <laughs> my th- they were on top. I don't. I wonder, man. I mean, they know that there was some interbreeding. Yeah, or at least they believe there's some interbreeding, and they recently found. Um, some uh, a bone of an ancient Neanderthal that had human DNA in it, <clears throat> and so they're like, "Well, what the fuck?" You wow. know? Like, yeah. See if you can find that because I think I tweeted that recently too. But just might I might not. But tweet human, it. you Google mean it. sapien? Yes, Homo sapien right. DNA. Right. DNA. I mean, because I, I guess Neanderthal are human, a type of human. Is that what they are? Uh, yeah, I guess there's Homo erectus, right. Homo whatever, and then Homo sapien is what's considered modern man. Yeah, they don't necessarily. Here it is. Humans mated with Neanderthals much earlier and more frequently than thought. And this is really recently. This uh, is February seventeenth. Yeah. Yeah. People will fuck a, a sheep. Will fuck anything. I can't believe I never fucked an animal. <laughs> you know, I was so horny when I was a teenager. I think because we didn't have pets, it's the only thing that if you stopped had a me. Dog, do you think you would have fucked it? I would have fucked my dog okay. definitely. Okay. But depending on the kind of dog it was. <laughs> well, also, we grew up without rampant access to pornography like these kids have yeah. today. Yeah. Like, if a kid today has an iPhone, you got all the porn in the world. Yeah. I mean, at your fingertips, bam, you can watch people fuck. All I had was a sheepdog, some Vaseline. It's hard back then. Yeah, I can. Uh, and, and, you know, the final <laughs> nude episode, nude edition of Playboy's coming out. Pam Anderson will be the last nude model in Playboy history. Great. Someone no one wants to see naked anymore. Perfect. <laughs> what a way to go out. <laughs> go out with a fizzle. Ease us out. <laughs> Does she look good? Well, even if she doesn't look good, what you're looking at is not really that person anymore. Yeah. You're looking at Photoshop elements. Yeah. You know, you're and, looking at. Well, her. You mean physically that she's yeah. not her own parts, well, and it, then they'll Photoshop yeah. it on top of that. Yeah, well, you're not looking at the real image. Yeah. You're looking at some distorted. Like they, have you ever seen what they do? Like they've shown like the real image versus what they do. And here she is, right there. Oh, she was a beauty in her day. Yeah, time is a motherfucker. I'll be leaving son. this off of YouTube too. That that yeah, uh, please do. That Thank you. sex tape in her prime. Was she so was so amazing. She was, she was so hot. hot. But, Wait, these aren't the most recent ones. Yeah. Allegedly. Oh, really? This was, was from December. Yeah. See, it's all like weird black and white, but you know they like stretched uh, out yeah. her ass. And yeah. Got There's rid of all three the guys lines. hiding behind her pulling skin right there. <laughs> <laughs> she got midgets. Fucking high-powered fans <laughs> blowing her sag up. <laughs> She's right next to the, the star of Hefter. I don't know, man. It's like if she was smart, she would have made herself look at least a little bit old in these instead of mm. she looks nineteen. 
Well, it's like everything's blurry and hazy. It's and like you're looking at her through the fog, like a spotlight in a foggy room. Any shots of her feet? <laughs> Just the shoes. Feet don't age. Yes, they do. Boy, do they. Okay, come on. She doesn't look, look that good. Look at the hemorrhoids good. coming out of her ass. But that is not what she looks like. <laughs> she just doesn't. I mean, that's I just not accurate. It's so stupid. Look she at looks the belly. Great she's had kids, picture. right? Yeah, she's had kids, but she's also 50. You know, I mean, she's not a Cindy Crawford 50 either. Cindy Crawford looks great. She still I looks bowled great. next to her recently. You were bowling? Next yeah, we to did Cindy this Crawford? thing. We help out with these um, uh, retarded kids. It's, uh, I don't think you're supposed to say that. Mentally, whatever, intellectually disabled children. It's this <laughs> group that me and my son work with, and uh, they do a bowling thing to ra- raise money for them, and you bowl with the mentally challenged kids. And uh, she's really active with it, and she's out there with her kids. Her daughter's a model now. Her son's a model. And she looked fucking great. She looked 51. She looked 30. Yeah, amazing. Once yeah. they hit her, a good 30, too, not like right. some 30s. Right. You know? I knew a girl when she was 19, and then I saw her again when she was 27, and apparently she had a meth problem. Oh. And when I saw her when she was 27, she looked like she had been to hell yeah. and back, and she looked easily 50. Yeah. And she wasn't even 30 yet. And I was like, wow, like meth. Something about stimulants, man. You That... <laughs> That redlining the system, boy, you pay for that. Yeah. You pay for that one. What dries you out. Oh, she looked terrible. Yeah. Terrifying, too. Her skin was hanging off of her bones. Her muscle tissue had all gone away. She had, it had all atrophied. So, like, her, like, what the plumpness of youth had all been replaced by, like, this dead air. Yeah. And her skin was, like, looking for all the meat that used to be there to hold it in place. And it yeah. was just sagging. And, oh, my and God. And, you know, she chain-smoked the whole time. She was definitely chain-smoking. She, de- she was a smoker. But it was sad. Mm. And she was so apologetic about She was apologetic about the way she looked. It was really disturbing. So yeah, that- I just saw this girl that I hadn't seen in a while. And she gave me a hug. And she goes, I'm sorry. I got really fat. Like, you're apologizing to me? Yeah. It's like, that is so weird. Might be the same person did the same thing to me. We'll talk about it off air. Yeah. No, I don't think so. This girl no? was never on drugs. She just put on No, weight. no, a different girl. Oh. She just did that recently to me. Oh, okay. So it was I'm at sorry, the comedy store. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Really? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Just, we got to end this thing anyway. Yeah. I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Tomorrow, Greg Fitzsimmons and I will be performing at the Improv in motherfucking Hollywood. Are you still doing your show on Sirius or is it only a podcast now? Uh, still do the show Monday nights on Sirius. It's the Greg Fitzsimmons show on Howard 101. Then the podcast is Fitzdog Radio. I just had uh, Ari Shafir just came on. Bam. Duncan Trussell just came on. Bam. Uh, Judd Apatow just came on. Those are Bam. all. Those will all be up in the next week or so. Excellent. And then Denver, Colorado. Can I plug that? Comedy Works. Comedy Works in Denver coming up on uh, the twenty fourth through the twenty sixth, and then I am in. Uh, sorry, one of my all time favorite clubs ever. Sacramento Punchline, April Ooh, 15th another through another one of my 18. all-time favorite clubs. San Francisco Punchline, oh, April 21 one. through 23. And then other dates, Comics in Connecticut, all at FitzDog.com. The Comics in Connecticut suck, can suck my dick, but the other clubs are great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's it for today. See you soon, you fucks.